Welcome to the Clary Podcast, a division of Aaron Clary, LLC, brought to you by AssholeConsulting.com, Aaron Clary, Chairman and CEO. Your host, Captain Capitalism himself, the world's only professional asshole, Aaron Clary. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? Starting off right with the news. A lot of stuff. A lot of stupid people out there. Normally the stupid people don't get to my radar. They come across my radar, but I choose to ignore them. But this is, this is germane. This is relevant. I still have this stupid hope somewhere in the back of my mind. Somewhere there's one or two brain cells, no matter how conscious I am of of the futility of this all, that women do want to be treated like men and they do want to be treated like equals and they do want to be warned about mistakes. Somewhere in my, I just, I just, I foolishly think it, you know, like thinking like, ah, you know, they'll respect me that I tell them the truth. Despite all the preponderance and millennia of evidence and empirical data otherwise that you just lie to them and tell them what they want to hear. But hey, this one's for you girls and I'm being deadly serious. This is for you ladies out there because unlike pretty much everyone else who's lying to you and making trillions, we're finding, well, $833 billion off of you per year. The old captain is going to hope that maybe you, you'll want, you want the truth. You all want to be treated as men. Here it comes, ladies. Here it fucking comes. From Fortune, women hold nearly 65% of the country's $1.3 trillion in student debt. Once again, I guess, geez, are we going to bail out women again on this one? Huh? You want to be treated like an equal? We're treating you like an equal now. Women are now the majority on college campuses across the United States, representing 56% of all students enrolled as of 2016. And according to a new report, they're also shouldering the lion's share of the nation's student debt problem. Let's stop right here. <clears throat> they only represent 56% of the students. How is it that they own $833 billion out of the $1.3 trillion? Let's, let's do the math. 833 by 1.3 Oh, oh, that is a disparity of 15%. No, 8%. There's a little bit of eight. I say it's because you women all believe that you got to go and get doctorates and masters in the liberal arts, which only further and re- explains this. Just even though you're only 56%, you hold 64% of the debt. Either you're not paying it back as quickly or you're, you're loading up with more debt per capita. And according to a new report, they're also shouldering the lion's share of the nation's student debt problem. A report by the American Association of University Women, well, that sounds like a fun group of people, found that on average women hold $833 billion, almost two-thirds of the country's $1.3 trillion student loan. I bet you're going to pay every penny back with interest, right? Because that would be treating you like men, damn it. You don't want us to give you an assistance or a handy. Oh, wait, yes, you do. If we look at the sexist superannuation over in Australia, I'm saving that one. That right there, you you Aussies over there. The lies your women are telling you, holy cow. Blatant, and I'm not, I'm not joking, this is even a joke. It's blatant, rampant sexism against men. I've never seen such bigotry against men 
as this this whining and complaining. And that's what I'm trying to prevent here, ladies, because I know you don't want to be sexist yourselves. You want equal treatment in everything. So that's why I'm trying to point this out to you as a fellow man would. Compared to the $477 billion that men hold, so they have almost twice as much as what men hold. Overall, the... Overall, after completing a bachelor's degree, women's average accrued student debt is about 1,500 greater than men. And here is, here's great. O'Shea, O'Shea Jackson, you listen to this? Here we go. This could be material for your, for your podcast over there. African-American women take on more student debt than any other group of women with an average of $30,000. Remember there was that hashtag? I talked about it before. It's like women with degrees. Remember that? And I, I found it odd that all these women... They, they're, they're championing their, how they graduated. There's pictures of them, and they tell a little bit about themselves and what they graduated with. I could only find two out of hundreds, out of hundreds, only find two women that actually had real degrees. The rest were all worthless liberal arts majors. The vast majority of them were saying, now it's time to go get my master's. And, oh, now it's time to go to law school. And almost 75% of the women that were in this uh, hashtag were black, African-American women. They had the little, the little African colors, the... Uh, Yellow, green, and red, because uh, you know they had to let you know that they're African women. Because that's that's don't judge anybody by the by the content of their character. No, judge somebody by the quality of their skin or the content of their skin. Some guy said something like that some time ago. I don't know who it was. He should probably be ignored because, by gosh, we take value in the fact that our ancestors, many, 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 many years ago, came from Africa. Although, it, it's sad. I used to say, oh, yeah, I, 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 no, it turns out I'm not Irish. Swedish, Scandinavian, and Spanish. And I am, I am actually somewhat ashamed that I come from socialist stock. But I don't really, I don't really view myself. But anyway, I didn't wear light blue and yellow when I graduated. Didn't go to my graduating ceremony. Anyway, continuing on. Uh, what's more, women take two years longer than men to pay off that debt, partly because of the gender pay gap. No fortune magazine. Here's where you stop lying to women. This is where I'm going to treat women better than you do. I'm going to treat them as equals. I'm going to treat them as men. You women do not have a gender pay gap. You make less because you major in stupid shit. This podcast, this episode alone will do more to close the wage gap if you women were to follow the advice uh, herein. Uh, than, than the decades of bitching and whining and complaining about discrimination and sexism, which is not the root cause of the pay gap. The root cause of the pay gap is you guys major in stupid, easy shit that no one wants. I'm a teacher. How come teachers don't make it so unfair? Teachers don't make as much as, as Tom Brady. Yeah, Tom Brady is followed by millions, and people would rather gladly spend 150 bucks to go see him with their children, throw a ball... As good as he does. You being a teacher. Uh, what? Spew the same shit you learned four years ago in high school, but you got yourself a bachelor's degree and ooh, you got your certificate to go teach? Well, that's some real, real raw talent there. Where are we going to find anyone to teach third grade math? I, I know I forget to carry the one. Holy shit. You must be a fucking genius. How come teachers don't make more than that? You guys know how to carry the one. Well, son of a gun, fuck Tom Brady. Oh. The AAUW the estimates that women make 20% less than men four years after graduating with a bachelor's because you guys have worthless, shitty degrees. That pay discrepancy leaves women with less disposable income to use to pay back their loans, meaning they take more time to pay back their student debt than men. 
Well, I thought men... Wait, 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 wait. What about the men who didn't go to college? They don't have any student loans to pay back. At, at least you admit it's not patriarchy holding women down. I'm surprised you didn't blame it on men. In the time period between one and four years after graduation, men paid off an average of 38% of their outstanding debt, while women paid off 31% according to the study. How is that possible when men are still suckers enough to pay for your dates and everything? Oh, wait, that's right. You guys buy Jimmy Choo shoes. I forgot. Quote, college degrees have been an important method for many Americans to improve their financial stability and economic mobility. Lie! Lie right there! He says, especially for women, liar, pants on fire, Kevin Miller, senior researcher at AAUW. You are a liar. That may have held true even a decade ago. Now, college debt, student loans, cripple young people's financial lives, and especially women, because no one's got the balls like I do. Hang on, let me check. Oh, there they are. No one has the balls like I do to tell them to stop majoring in stupid shit. Because I actually give a crap about them. Kevin Miller only cares about their feels. I actually care about women. He's so mean. Quote, women's success in higher education is reducing the size of the gender pay gap. No, it isn't. It is not. But student debt is making it harder for women to get the leg up that they need. No, no, no. Women are equal now. Let's trade. They don't need a leg up. They don't need a leg up, Kevin. I know you got to say it because you work with all the old battle axes there over at the AAU. I know, I know you got to get your bread buttered on a certain side. They don't need a leg up. I'm sick and tired of that. I'm so sick and tired of, of treating them like retarded little stepchildren. Okay? I treat women as equals. That's why the women, if you ever come to one of my parties, the women in my parties are fucking awesome. They are fucking cool chicks, man. I don't mean that because, you know, Fawn's cool, but they got careers they got professions i think most of them make more than me they're interesting and and the way they got that way was not having their asses kissed and pampered the entire time they went stem accounting engineering doctors surgeons lawyers ones that actually make money not the ones that had a liberal arts degree couldn't find a job went to shitty fourth tier law school and then worked for uh, uh social justice or some political like actual lawyers that people pay for you know like i said skilled people cpas but you just keep telling them it's it's the the evil evil sexist monster. It's the sexist monster. It's out there. It's all sexisty and it's clandestine and sneaky like a ninja, and it just spreads sexist dust all over the women across the world and keeps them down. About one third of women experience financial difficulties, like covering living expenses while paying off their loans, compared to just one fourth of men, according to the study. Well, have you been to a young twenty-something girl's apartment versus a young twenty-somethings man's apartment? You'll find out why women have financial troubles compared to men. This whole, this whole, like, let's look at the, how much money they make. I would also argue, just, just me being an economist, I don't know shit. But there's this whole other side to the equation, and that's how much you spend. And I'm, I'm guessing, because I was in my 20s one time, and the girls I dated in my 20s were like, holy shit, they got a lot of really nice crap. Is that a new car you bought? Oh, it's leased. Oh, no, I just got my shitty. We didn't even have Kia Rios back then. I had the 1985 Gutless Cutlass Supreme. But you girls can't drive that. It's just, just so dirty. It's standard transmission. I don't, I don't know how to drive stick. Oh, here we go. And a full 57% of African-American women repaying student loans say they were unable to meet essential expenses within the past year. So then why did you guys go to... I thought college 
See, you got to see how these guys are contradicting themselves. College is necessary. Education is the key to success. Then why is it if college is the key to success, you guys are having trouble paying off your student loan? If it was the key to success, the return on investment would be higher than the interest rate accrued. I know this is math and logic, and, and I know that the leftists and the socialists have dumbed you women down so much treating you as inferior redheaded stepchildren uh, that you can't do cost-benefit analysis. But once again, I am not here to treat you like a fucking retard. I'm here to treat you as an equal because if any man ever came up to me with this whiny, pestery bullshit, this is the exact same shit you're going to get because I insist on treating you as an equal. Not so fun when you, when it's not all the benefits of equal treatment and none of the responsibilities, is it? <sighs> Within the past year. It's because, look, ladies, college is a racket and a scam, okay? Most of it. This is why I wrote the book Worthless, so you know which degrees weren't scams and rackets and which ones were. And you girls, despite your independent mind, you're so smart and you can do anything, man. All this other, all this other crap we've been hearing. You guys fell for it, just like my generation fell for Millie Vanilli and Vanilla Ice, like they were programmed to. Just like the millennials are programmed to fall for Taylor Swift and, and, and do that. Just like you guys are programmed to watch the f- sports ball. Just like you people are to, you know, programmed to tune into what's happening with the Kardashians. Despite all your education, independent-mindedness, and you're equal, and, and you know you, anything you can do, I can do better. All, I, I, and yet you fall for the rackets all the time. And this is a serious one. This is a big one. Because unlike buying People magazine or going to a Kim Kardashian concert, you might be out a couple hundred bucks. When you sign away for $150,000, $200,000 worth of student loan debt, that at least is going to cost you two decades of your life, and it's going to really impair your ability to find a man to marry, which I know all of you are telling me right now you don't need no man fish bicycle. I'm aware of that. That's what your mouth is saying. But deep down inside, you haven't fooled anybody. You do want to get married. You do want a man. You do want children. And coming in, bringing to the table, what do they bring to the table? It's sad how little you got to bring to the table. You know, not be fat, uh, not have another man's kids, have a job and not have any debt. Those four simple things. But by God, you guys come walking in with your $100,000 in student loans. No, no. And you can't even support yourself. Then why? Did, what was the benefit of college? What was the benefit? See, it's your pride and ego that's telling you, you don't, want, you don't want to admit that you got hoodwinked. You don't want to admit that you got screwed over by your teachers and professors. And conveniently, they got a convenient lie for you. It's patriarchy. It's this glass ceiling. It's white people. It's the Republicans. It's George Bush. Oh, now it's Trump. Oh, you see, we don't have to blame, we don't have to blame Bush. Because we know um, it was Bush and then Trump. And there wasn't any other president in between. <laughs> that uh, When there was, when there was a, a, uh, a wage gap. There was, it just was Bush and now there's Trump to blame. Right? And you guys are going to follow it. Can't possibly be that a bunch of worthless academia professors who never set foot inside of the real world, never had a real job in their entire lives, have worthless degrees just like you but advanced degrees, and the only thing they could do is reteach it to the fucking sheep that they were one time, and now you guys are the new victims. Just a Ponzi scheme. So again, college does not have a positive rate of return if you cannot pay back your student loans. That was a consumption good, not an investment. That was no different than a nice pair of boots that you bought. Very, very, very expensive and very, very long line. You waited four years in there to get that pair of academic boots. 
doesn't do anything, not not worth anything. They're gonna you could pretty much burn your diploma because that's all it's worth. But you're gonna stay because your ego and your pride. You're gonna say, I got a degree. I got a degree. No one gives a shit about your degree. Not only Matt. Well, okay, we do give a shit about your degree if it's like impressive. Wow, chemical engineer. You, you, oh wow, okay, uh, accounting. Hmm. Oh, trade. You're a boiler maker. Awesome. Rock on. Oh, jeez. Let me guess. You're another sociology major. You're another. Who's calling me now? Swear to God. You're another child psychology major. Do you know how boring it is? Oh, yay. You're a communications major. Women's. St- I mean. <laughs> What could you possibly say to interest and entice another man? I mean, there you looks really are the only thing that man. I love I love how the leftist women who major in the liberal arts and humanities think they're so intelligent and men should love them for their intelligence when they are just so common. There's so many of them. There's an oversupply of them. There's a glut. They're a dime a dozen. And even a dime is paying way too much. And then, and and yet they think they're just so intelligent, and, pre- and that their intelligence makes them. You know, it doesn't. It makes you a conformist. This is why. This is why the hot IT chick is like the pinnacle. This is why the hot crazy matrix matrix exists. This is why it was so popular. Because you girls are not interesting. You're not exciting. You're not unique. You're just boring. I, I'd rather read a book in a library than take a girl out who's a liberal arts major, honestly. What are you going to say that's going to be interesting, unique, or insightful that we haven't heard already? But nothing, nothing. Uh, to combat this issue, Ann Hedgepeth, a senior government relations manager at AAUW. Oh, I can't wait to see what this gal recommends. Suggests that colleges and universities should push for greater state and federal investment so fewer students need to take out loans. What a shock. More male money to go and bail stupid women out of their stupid mistakes. And then you guys are going to wonder why tuition goes up when we just keep throwing more and more money into an economy chasing after the exact same amount of degrees. And Hedgepeth, let's look at this girl. Let's look at this gal. Who's, who's, who is this that wants me to spend more of my money? Remember what I said about women who have the liberal arts coming up with nothing new? Wow. Shocker. More money. More taxes. Wow. That's truly revolutionary. All right. Here we go. Oh, she's younger than I thought. Oh, no. She's not younger than I thought. We got a close up. Ann Hedgepeth is AAUW's government relations manager. As part of her advocacy work, Ann establishes relationship with key congressional offices, the presidential administration, coalition. Okay. So she's just, this is just a, uh. A lobbyist. Um, voice on public include paid six days, paid leave, the Family and Medical Leave Act, career and technical education, workforce training, community colleges, higher education, non-traditional occupations for women. You mean like trades and STEM? Or you just say, you go and major in whatever your heart, girl, and then we're going to make sure the taxpayer's money follows. Temporary Assistant for Needy Families, Violence Against Women Act, she's at Capitol Hill, organizes more than 30 locals who speak out, blah, blah, blah. Well, I don't know what her what her degree is. I want to know if she's an engineer. I want to know if she has private sector experience. I want to know, I want to know, I want to know. 
Who is this woman saying I gotta pay more money so other women can continue majoring in stupid shit? What the hell was my password for LinkedIn? Oh, I guessed it. Now I'll get to see what her degree is. Booty booty doo. Government relations manager, government relations career, do 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 participant, American University We Lead program. Goes back to 2007, so a decade so far of nonprofit, non-real work. Davidson College, BA Economics, 2003 to 2007. Okay, worthless degree. She's a teacher. Bachelor's of Arts in Economics and Gender Studies. Ah, I see. Well, there you go, ladies. If you two, I guess we, I guess we should just get some more government money so we can create a ton of nonprofits so that everybody can become an Ann Hedgepeth, huh? See, you know, it's just, we just don't have enough money. We just don't have enough money. Look, I'm being deadly serious, ladies. This lady, she may have her heart in the right place, which I even doubt. Because if this person were to take the Clary test, she'd have a zero. Um, but who is really going to help you more? You may you may find me crass, lewd, blunt, but I'm, I'm the only one telling you the truth. And Hedgepeth just keeps saying, well, keep doing whatever you want. Keep doing whatever you want. And the government, everybody else should make it so that reality around you results in your success. I just want us to treat women like equals and be truthful with them. I want women to succeed. I don't want them having to constantly go to the government and rely on on special interest groups and lobbyists like Ann Hedgepeth here telling me I got to pay more money, basically bail you girls out of your mistakes. And don't think it's just the ladies too. Men as well are... Not just as prone, but they are prone to go major in worthless crap. But this article is about women. And statistically, look, look, she, Anne Hedgepeth would have no problem of us spending $833 billion on women, uh, $477 billion on men to bail out everybody of their student loans. But how much you want to bet then she's going to claim men and women are equal? Huh? How much you want to bet? You know, I've, I've found, it just could be crazy, that when you actually start treating people equally, they actually end up rising to the occasion and becoming equal. But I guess she is of the generation of participation trophies and affirmative action and touchy-feely and let's not hold anyone to standards and everyone's a winner and a prize for 27th place. Uh, she also recommends Congress strengthen and expand the federal PELT grant program. We need to bolster existing financial aid so that future borrowers don't find themselves in a situation as the women in our study, she says. Well, how about you guys just major in STEM? How about every woman stops majoring in the liberal arts, they don't do what Miss Hedgepath does, and gets herself a charity position? How about you girls get it so that employers are banging at your door to employ you? All right, like you go major in computer programming. Yeah, don't go to college. Go to go to programming boot camp. That's a fraction of the cost, and you can make three times the money and Hedgepeth is ever going to make. Hedgepeth adds that access to on-campus childcare is also crucial. Once again, I gotta pay. I gotta pay for it. now their other mistakes, and that is they had children they can't afford. The lack of convenient and affordable childcare makes it hard for women who are also mothers to complete their degrees. How do I don't? Here's I got a crazy question. Why don't you be mothers? 
why don't you go find the guy that fucked and impregnated you and get him to support you? I know this is, there used to be this institution called marriage. I know we've replaced it with a government check, but there's this thing called marriage. And uh, it was a guy and a gal, and they kind of took care of whatever kids they brought into the world. <sighs> My listeners. I just, I just wanted it. It's kind of like fortune is starting to realize, but they can't come out right and say it, so they got to go find some leftist stooge to say, hey, we need more government money. And, oh, well, we, we cited an expert. Look at that. They say we need more government money. I guess so. What would be really bold and truly journalistic fortune and mainstream media people is if you started pointing out the lie, you know, because we here in the alternative media are getting kind of tired of repeating ourselves. We're getting kind of, hell, even Barack Obama said that maybe you want to reconsider majoring in art history, and then they went to town on him, and he even re, re, uh, recanted. But, you know, if you, again, you have a choice. You could be me and actually help women, or you could be Ann Hedgepeth and go and just clamor for more government money, because that's all she, I guess that's all she ever learned in school. And one is going to lead towards women actually making concrete, genuine steps towards closing the wage gap. Heck, I guarantee you this, if women the very next day decided that they're all going to major in STEM and no liberal arts, on average, they would start making more money than men. They would not only close the wage gap, they surpass it. But it's not about that. It's about the perpetual women are victim. This person, these type of people are victim. That's victims. And you need people like Anne to come in and make it all better. You need advocates like her. And you are welcome anytime to come on this show and argue against my case that telling women the truth about the realities of the labor market, you have a degree in economics. I don't know how good it is. How do you get that? How do you get a degree in economics? You don't understand the labor market and it's, oh, that's right. Your gender studies degree screws you up. All right. Anyway, we got that. What else? We got, uh, God, you know what? Let's just do another news. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? From the Sydney Morning Herald, well, I got a lot to Oz, you Australians, all three of you on that big open island. Three of you for now, soon will be none of you. <laughs> I'm just kidding, Adam, I know. I know why you're moving. U.S. presidents can have everything except the car keys. I heard this on the radio that uh, Obama gave a speech recently and he said that he hasn't gotten behind a car, he hasn't driven... Uh, since he got out of the presidency. And we're thinking, like, what kind of a pampered, spoiled guy is that? And it turns out you're not allowed to. U.S. presidents can have everything except the car keys. Uh, from the Sydney Morning Herald, Washington. Vice President Joe Biden was wearing a leather jacket and sitting behind the wheel of a screaming yellow Corvette at the locked White House gates when he divulged the secret of the powerful. Hey, the Secret Service doesn't let me drive off the property. It was Biden's closing scene in a spoof video produced by HBO for the White House Correspondents Association annual dinner over that weekend. It also offered a real-life glimpse inside the bubble that envelops top U.S. office holders even after they leave the job. Former Secretary of State Hillary Clinton revealed earlier this year that she hasn't driven a car in 18 years. Her husband, former Bill Clinton, has said one of the biggest drawbacks of his position is losing driving privileges. Quote, for the most part, the Secret Service's preference would be to drive the former presidents at all times, end quote, said Mickey Nelson, who retired in 2012 as the Secret Service Assistant Director of Protective Operations after 29 years in service. In a country as car-oriented as the United States, the draw of the driver's seat is strong. The security imperative is stronger. 
The threat to top U.S. officials is ever-present, and the agents who squire current and former presidents are trained in evasive and defensive driving maneuvers. Of course, they spell it the British way, because you guys haven't fully extricated yourself from the goddamn Brits. <clears throat> We're still that small little islands, South Pacific bitch. All right, uh, presidents still find ways to get their hands on the wheel. Even if it's just a golf cart on the links or an off-road excursion on private property, often to the consternation of the agents assigned to protect them. The late President Ronald Reagan, restricted from driving on public roads, enjoyed a pair of older four-wheel drive Jeeps on a 688-acre Rancho del Cielo near Santa Barbara, California, his home away from the White House. He'd be in the driver's seat and I'd be in the passenger seat and I'd have a death grip, former Secret Service agent Steve Colo said. Everything was completely open. No seatbelts, Cola recalled. He's driving, and I'm thinking, if we go over the edge, how am I going to drag him out of that car? President George W. Bush has a spread in Crawford, Texas, twice as big as Reagan's, and until this year had a pickup truck to match. Quote, he drove his truck pretty regularly at the ranch, Nelson said. He even on occasion drove other world leaders on the ranch in his truck. Bush, 67, whose main residence is now Dallas, auctioned the 2009 Ford F-150 King Ranch 4x4 Super Crew. For charity, for three hundred thousand. Well, I don't think you know, even if I drove a car, I don't think I'd ever get three hundred thousand for one of my used jalopies. Uh, saying in a statement that he hadn't driven on a public road for many, many years. On official business, both in Washington and away, presidents ride in an armored Cadillac limousine known as the Beast. Over the past five decades, the size of the presidential vehicle and the blocks-long motorcade in which it rides has grown. The critical moment was the JFK. Assassination, said H.W. Brands, University of Texas professor and presidential historian. Well, I'm glad we had a professor to tell us that. Because you see, you plebes, you morons wouldn't know that uh, the JFK assassination may have prompted us to reconsider, you know, convertibles. Just, just saying. President JFK's death by sniper bullet while riding it at handing over the car keys is now part of a bubble that includes personal chefs, constant security, and aides to handle every Monday chore. Man, this is even after you get out of the White House. <clears throat> Each succeeding president is further removed from the lives of ordinary citizens. Obama had to fight to keep his BlackBerry. Once you become president, you don't even have to stop for red lights, Brand said, said. And if it looks like traffic's bad, you just take a helicopter. He said Lyndon Johnson may have been the last president to drive on public roads after leaving office, saying he may have cruised around Texas Hill Country in addition to driving on his private ranch. Not owning a ranch or a vacation property, President Barack Obama, 52, gets his driving fix in other ways. He caused a stir in March when he was photographed driving a golf cart solo at Andrews Air Force Base. Usually for president, da 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 He drove around on a hybrid Chevy Volt, of course. Biden hasn't given it up. I'm just looking for transmission. Man. Anyway... So there, yeah, the president, you think, look, I thought about it. I thought about it one time. I was thinking, I could become governor of Minnesota. I actually think I could. Because unlike the Republicans, I actually have my balls. I could win the black male vote. I could win the black Latino. I could win black black, uh, minority male votes easily. Um, The women would get wet because I'd actually be the first real you know, Republican to run in a while. And then I thought about my wait. I got to wake up early. They probably want me there, you know, eight hours a day. And there'd be actual real responsibility with it. 
for what? Like 200,000, some pittance of an amount to, for this real job. Again, I couldn't just go out. But you go for president, you can't drive anymore? You can't just go to Chipotle and get some fucking food? I can't go get the ice cream. I, I got to have, I got to be followed. Dude, it is not worth the 400,000. Forget the media circus and oh, how many skeletons you got in your closet. That wouldn't bother me. I'd have a field day with that. They, I'd, I'd say yes to every accusation. Uh, d- did you have an affair with an orangutan? Yes, I did. You got me. Next. And then they'd be flummoxed. They won't know what to say. Uh, uh, uh. And they think I'd be lying. I'd be, nope, deadly serious. All true. And that next question you're going to ask me about, that's true too. Everything that you accuse me of is true. Next. And then, then the media would have nothing left to go on. So I could handle that. I could not handle never. Could you? you could, obviously, you can't ride motorcycles. Oh, you can't drive a boat? Have to have these schmucks come on around with you? See, that's, and it lends me to, to believe that the people who run for president, not only are they power hungry, but they got to have nothing else going on. Like, they really, you really got to want to be president. When you look at all the costs and consequences, the average schmuck on the street, you think, hey, would you like to be president? Yeah, that'd be great, 400000 But then you tell them about all these restrictions. You can't, you can't go to the bathroom by yourself. The Secret Service has to wipe your ass. They got to check the toilet paper, look for bombs under the toilet seat. Can't have, you can't, can't go to Chipotle, can't go to McDonald's, can't do any of this stuff. But man, that can't drive? No way. No way. Oh, I'll take public like You can't even take public trip. Look at that. You are so innocuous. And you think after you hung up the reins... Like, hey, I'm not president anymore. I could go back to being a normal person. Nope. No, you can't. Talk about the prince and the pauper. You can never be normal again. Even if you got a second election. So that's 400000 for four years, $1.6 million, $3.2 million after taxes, $1.6 million that you get to keep. And eight years of your life is gone. I mean, and that's a hard job. That's an 80-hour workweek job, which I know most of you aren't aware of. Um, and then for the rest of your life, oh, think about poor Barack. I, I, I hate him with, you know, I don't like him at all. But by God, he, he was a relatively young president. What did he get out at in his 50s? He's not even 60 yet, is he? And he can't drive or do nothing for the rest of his life? Oh, shit. Well, he never did much of anything with the first half of his life, so. <laughs> and he didn't. He didn't. This is because I'm not a leftist. The guy didn't do jack shit with his life. He wrote a bunch of books. He worked one year in the private sector. And then he became like assistant vice reserve uh, uh, congressman of the state of Illinois. Yeah, I'm president now. Check out my ears. And that was it. That was all it was. So I guess he's used to doing nothing. I guess he would not be as angst-ridden or uh, suffocated as I would be. But yeah, if you have any ounce of adventuring spirit, what would you have to do? Would you have to go to a foreign country to go drive? I'd move to Europe, even though I don't like driving over there. I would, I'd go anywhere I, I got to drive. Go down to Mexico. Go to Canada. Go to Canada. Hey, Justine, can I use your pink painted roads? You little pussy. Oh, hello, President Aaron. Hi. Hello. I don't know why I think President Trudeau would... Be talking like Mr. Garrison, but... Hello! How you doing? Yes, come drive on our roads! Oh my goodness! What's a what's a town in Canada that starts with S or has an S? Calgary? No. Regina? No. 
gotta drive in the Saskatchewan. Oh my goodness. Yes, you just drive all you want, sweetheart. Just stay, so come back over to the east side, say hello to Justine. I know he's not gay, but that is the gayest straight man that ever lived. I just, money does that to you. Money turns you into a very pussified male. Even if, even if you are straight, there are more manly gay men than there are, than there is, than Justin Trudeau. I, I, I mean, I pretty much every gay man I've met is more manly than Justin Trudeau. Actually, now you think most gay men are probably more manly than most men because most of the gay men, at least I know, like are the bodybuilding workout madmen, completely ripped. Very few lispy talkers. Very few rub it in your face that they're gay. You know, like you wouldn't know it. it, it, it which again, not lends credence, but verifies my philosophy that real people, good quality people, do not parade their traits they were born with. As accomplishments. The gay friends of my life are accomplished people in their own right. They just happen to be gay. Justin Trudeau, I don't know. They got to be shaking their heads over him. My God. All right, let's do some sponsors. All right, sponsors always with this. Oh, yeah, the people that give me money, the people that keep this on online. Oh, the people that have food on the table. These people, these guys. The real Mark Baxter. If he's real Mark Baxter at realmarkbaxter.com. He's got a podcast. He's got a blog. And uh, he's up and coming. And uh, he's got he's got the right attitude. He plugs me. I plug him. He knows how the barter thing works. Just like uh, Adam Piggott. He plugs me. I plug him. Everybody else seems to make it more complicated than that. But then again, I can't expect everybody to be Captain Capitalism. I can't expect people to be private capitalism. Well, you gotta pay me. And it's like, oh, you guys just don't. You miss the big picture, don't you? Missing the big picture. Anyway, visit him if you get sick and tired of this podcast. We also have entrepreneurs in cars. Rich, our Canadian brother up north, he drives around in his fancy car, one that you don't have. And he dispenses 40-year-old guy advice to you dumb 20-something kids. Kind of like me, except he's Canadian, he has a much nicer car, and I've never been divorced, and I've never been married, and I don't got kids. Aside from those minor traits, <laughs> we are exactly the same. Well, okay, he's also like, I think he looks like he's 6'5". He looks very tall, and he has blue eyes and, lot, and, and no hair. I am the opposite. We're basically the opposite, except for the key principles. It's, uh, uh, we are not doppelgangers. No one would ever mistake us for brothers. Have you bought your nose hairs trimmers? Have you bought your hobby distillery set where you can make your own whiskey or scotch or gin? No? Why haven't you? Haven't you gone through my Amazon affiliate program? Don't pull nose hairs out of your nose nostrils ever again. Go to captaincapitalism.blogspot.com. Click on my Amazon banner and not only buy your nose hairs trimmers and your future hobby distilleries, which are not legal in all states, I find out. Uh, but do all your online shopping there. It, it pains Chris Beckloff. Chris Beckloff, every podcast now, he, com- he, he rues the loss and the demise of the mall. Everybody said that Target's going away. Oh my gosh, social justice warring, virtue signaling Target with their affirmative action hire. I forget her name. She's a, an obvious affirmative action hire for their what? Corporate Social Responsibility Department. Oh my gosh! 
You see, Target is more than just selling stuff. That's what you want, but we're going to give you more than that. We are going to do everything social justice warrior-y, and we're going to approve and advance the right political causes, even though it has nothing to do with being someplace you buy toilet paper from, because I... The corporate social responsibility person needs to be validated, whatever her name is. Anyway, Chris is sad these assholes are going away uh, because everyone's buying this stuff online. Uh, And it's true. It's so true. And I'm glad. I'm glad to see Target go away. I'm not so happy to see Walmart go away because they're kind of key and integral. To my um, travel plans. Walmart is kind of vital in that regard. But, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Chris. It's, it's the world and the economy evolving, and it's a good thing. And so uh, don't buy your stuff through communist places like Target. Go through my Amazon affiliate program. Do all your online shopping there. I get a 6 to 7% commission. It doesn't cost you anything more. You just have to go to my site first, CatholicCapitalism.blogspot.com. Because that way they know you come from my site and I get the money. So get into that habit. That's the good habit to go there first. Oh, you just go to Amazon.com. And I, I don't get no commission. So if you if you really want to help out, that actually is a way to help out the show. And to um, keep the lights on here in Cappy Cap land. It does cover. It does actually cover um, the, um, what's it called? The hosting costs and everything else. So uh, do that. And if you don't like me, uh, other handful, I don't want to say all, once again, getting back to how everybody in the right red pill world is private capitalism and not captain capitalism, there are a handful, not a lot, of uh, guys and gals that have their Amazon affiliate shit together. And Tom Likas, blowmeuptom.com. If you don't like me, go to blowmeuptom.com. He, he's got it. The guy's got hustle. Don't take it from my middle-aged ass. Take it from his old wise ass. <laughs> He is wise. He's wiser than all of us. He's got the year's experience. He's doing it. I'm doing it. Cynical Libertarian, even he does it. Although it's tucked away, which I'm not even going to get into. I'm not, I'm not paid enough to solve people's problems. Unless you go to assholeconsulting.com. But yeah, if you want to help out anybody. Oh my god, YouTube demonetized! What are we going to do? Oh, where? Oh, where? I don't know. Maybe just get the Amazon affiliate program. Adapt or die. Change or die. All right. Then we have my books. Reconnaissance Man. This is an outstanding. This is a must book. Worthless Degree Awareness Month is coming up in 48 hours because May has 31 days. And I want to make a big push for this. All right. I want you guys retweeting with the hashtag Worthless Degree Awareness Month. And I'm not even joking like, ha ha, that's funny. Let's make fun of the stupid kids that can't get into STEM or IT. Uh, I'm serious. If, if we can actually go and prevent, you know, 1,000, 2,000 people from wasting their lives and worthless liberal arts, we can, we can save a lot of lives and improve a lot of people's lives. Not to mention crush the liberal arts and hurt the communists where it really hurts, where, where they have their assembly line, their, their factory where they assemble and manufacture future Democrat voters. Academia, liberal arts colleges, humanities. Let's cut their funding off. I mean, actually, raise awareness. Gosh almighty, these 17-year-old kids can't just wait to get into the career of raising awareness. Well, let's actually do it for them. Except, did you know there's gay people? 
We are trying to raise awareness that our gay people, because, like, from the 90s on, TV has, has been... How about we actually raise awareness about a real problem in America? And that is the millions of young kids every year who go and ruin their financial lives, literally ruin their financial lives by signing away on a mortgage, essentially, to get a worthless piece of paper. That starts June 1st, Worthless Degree Awareness Month. Retweet, spread, hashtag, all that other crap. That's what the kids are doing now. It's all cool and hip with the hashtags. Anyway, so when these graduation parties come up, Reconnaissance Man is one of the best books you can get these kids. It's basically the subtitle over at Terrence Pops' joint when he advertises it because he has hustle. Is, don't know what to major in college? Then don't fucking go. And it's true. If you don't know what to major in college, don't go. I don't even care if you're paid. You gotta go to college or you gotta have a job or I'm gonna kick your ass. And you're a lazy millennial twad. So you're like, oh, I don't wanna work, man. That's hard. I'm gonna go to college and make my life infinitely harder for the remaining years I have on this planet. Get reconnaissance, man. Give it to a young kid who's either in or out of college and doesn't know exactly where they're going in life. Available paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. Black Man's Guide Out of Poverty. Are you a black man? Are you in poverty? This book is for you. Although I think most of the black men who are in the audience, I think you guys, you've either read it or you already know you don't need it. Uh, But if you happen again, there's a young black man and he's, you know, you think he might want to take the red pill. He's sick and tired and hearing about how it's uh, somebody else's fault and he can't do nothing to get out of poverty because boo-hoo-hoo, racism's because racism's hashtag just throw away your life when when if you think you can reach out to that guy, get him that book. Paperback and Kindle. Not an audiobook because it's not quite yet that best of a saw. Although, hat tip to O'Shea Jackson. Look him up on YouTube. He has been plugging that at the Negro Manister, Negromanister.com, another website for uh why obviously men who happen to be black. Uh but if you happen to be not black, it's still check it out, man. You want to see where the front line fr- fight. You want to see where the front line is in this battle against socialism and, and communism and le- just for freedom? Uh, do you know a more enslaved group of people than black men? I, and I'm not even saying metaphorically. Do you know one that just answers to the Democrat Party, has their entire lives ruined with lies, and are kept on a metaphorical plantation to vote this way and just collect the government check because you can't do anything on your own unless, unless it's rap or professional sports, in which case there's a 1 in 19,000 chance you'll succeed. But it's not fair. Oh, God, don't major in engineering. Don't major in accounting. Oh, God, don't try. Don't become an entrepreneur. Certainly don't become like Lennon Cameron or Tlaib Stark. Don't get no hustle. Don't become a, hey, don't act white like that, that loser Ben Carson who is the brain surgeon. We don't want you becoming brain surgeons. Yeah, I mean, if you think he's about to escape the, the Borg, get the guy the black man's got out of poverty. And if you are a black man, you happen to be in poverty in your list. Have what? Come on. Come on. Go buy it. Please, go buy it. Bachelor Pad Economics, that's for everybody, male or female, black or white, doesn't matter. Be you yellow, black, or white, you're our children in this sight. Jesus loves the little children of the world. Man, that brainwashing started early. I was in the 70s. Let the Muslims all in. If you don't, it is a sin. Go and bend all the Swedish girls and their ass. Anyway, uh, Bachelor Pad Economics. Uh, that is the young man's financial, uh, the financial advice Bible for men. Sorry, uh, that is worth the somewhat 
steep price I charge for it. Paperback, Kindle, and audio. Women, you can benefit from it too if you'd like. Uh, you just got to like, I don't know, be equal. And, and, and getting back to our conversation, do you want to be treated like equals? Read this book. Hold your nose. Realize we don't have time to beat around the bush and touchy-feel. Oh, my God, you see? Sometimes the real world doesn't go the way you want. Now, how do you respond to that? Sometimes we should call for intervention and raising awareness. Sometimes we should we should go and start a campaign or a change.org position, a petition. You should lobby for more government intervention and make everything okay. But sometimes, girls, life doesn't go the way you want. And I, we don't have time or life expectancy to write the 20 pages of beating around the bush, spare your feelings baloney to get to the hard truth. It is almost 500 pages of rock you hard in the bed truth. You will have to smoke a cigarette after each and every chapter. Sometimes three cigarettes a chapter. That's how much it will rock your world, girls, if you can handle it. I don't think you girls can. I don't think you can. You're all independent-minded. and you. I don't think you can handle it, girls. Nope. Matter of fact, no, I'm banning women. Here, a little reverse psychology. Tell women they can't do something. I'll show you. I'll go buy that book. I'll buy six of them. Nope, girls are not a lot. I don't know why. Why did I try to help out women? The best way to get somebody to do something is to tell them not to. Ladies, you are banned from buying bachelor pad economics. I forbid you from buying bachelor pad economics. You, you're not going to understand it. It's too highbrow. It's way too intense. No girl can understand it. By God, I'd be surprised if a woman bought it and actually understood it. See, now the problem is I've, I already showed my cards previously. I have to go in originally with the, in, with, with the gimmick that, you know, na- reverse psychology. It's like, nah, women aren't allowed to read. And then I see that would have been the greatest thing. Like, women are banned from reading this book. <laughs> Maybe I should put that into the description. Women are not allowed to read this book. Getting those fish on the hook. <laughs> anyway, no, seriously. Uh, the, the laws of economics and finance and personal retirement and all that are universal. It's not like it's different for men or women. Women live a little bit longer because you're so oppressed. Because life is so bad, you're so oppressed. And the patriarchy is so strong that you live an extra four to five years over the average man. It's just, just the injustice, man. Oh, the misogynistic world you poor women live in. Anyway, get Bachelor Pad Economics. It's a great book for everybody. It is written for men. It does have locker room talk. I just just shove it up your ass if you don't like that. All right. If you can't if you can't tolerate a little bit of you know all the girls forcing these poor bastard guys to read men are for Mars, women are for Venus. We had to tolerate that BS. You can read Bachelor Pad Economics. Worthless. This is the book. The book. This is the book that we are going to go and make it sell. Amazon number one during uh, Worthless Degree Awareness Month in June. So again, in addition to Reconnaissance Man, a better uh, book to get your recent high school graduate, somebody who's in college and they don't know what to do after the first year, get them the book Worthless. It's cheap. It's available in paperback, audio, and Kindle. So like you can gift it to them. I, I found out there's a way to gift. It's not that hard. You go on Kindle, 
or uh, uh, Amazon.com, you click on the Kindle option, and then you can gift it. So you pay up. All the all you need is their email address, and you send it to their email, and um, so you pay for it. And then, as, assuming they have a Kindle reading device, they can read it. That's it. That's how simple it is. Give the gift of worthless. Available in paperback, Kindle, and audiobook. I don't know how to, you can gift the audiobook, but I'm sure there's a way to do it. Enjoy the decline, accepting and living with the death of the United States. I know the Trump and Fuhrer has been elected, uh, but as I predicted before, he, he's running into troubles with, I don't know, this Congress thing and the judicial branch. Don't know any of you savvy political analysts, if that is such a thing or a profession, noticed uh, there was the balance of powers. And just because somebody wins the presidency does not mean you just get to run ramshod. And so we're finding out that uh, a lot of things aren't going to be going. He tried. He tried. But, um, yeah, enjoy that decline, guys. Don't worry. The United States is not turning around on a dime. Not going to happen anytime soon. Debt is up to 120% GDP, I found out. I went on the OECD. God almighty. It's like a percent a month. It's just, after a while, I'm like, yeah, I, I just, I'm glad I got my guns, my bullets, and my silver. I got a Bitcoin laying around here somewhere that I lost. I don't know where the login on all that other shit is. I printed it off. I don't know where I went. Um, but I have a Bitcoin. Actually, it's tripled in value. Although, you never know. It's so volatile. Uh, so, anyway, you could get, um, enjoy the decline. Curse of the high IQ. That's for all of you smart people out there. It's especially for nerds. This is, look, I've had, of, of all the books I've written, I've had the most heartfelt letters of thanks come from Curse of the High IQ readers because I explained what was going on in their lives both when they were younger and today. Why it's hard for you to find friends, why you can't find a date, aside from you, for obvious reasons, this assumes that you're a physically in-shape person, why you're just not mentally stimulated by anyone, even though you may be physically stimulated by them. Uh, why school hate it, why you had low GPA, but you got to, it, it's, it is the biggest curse where you are told, the biggest lie, where you are told you're dumb, you're stupid, you're not doing well, you're falling asleep in school, you're not doing well in society because you're not playing by the normies rules when you find out all of life is compliance and obedience, not excellence or achievement. And once you figure that out, once that wool is lifted from your eyes, it, 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 provides at minimum sanity and serenity. But it also then tells you how the game, how the field is laid out, and then then you then you really do progress and advance. I have I have seen even you know a lot of these books I write, I know it may shock you. A lot of these books I write for my own benefit to like sit and think things out. Like a poor Richard's retirement that was like, okay, what do you really need to retire? You know, let me go through it. I've done it before, but okay, with this new philosophy, like what, what does the old captain really need to get through in life? And it was the same thing with Curse of the High IQ. Like I had all these ideas, and it wasn't until I took a big-ass sheet of architect paper, started drafting my ideas and vomiting out on the, on the sheet and then organizing it, and then I start deducing. You know, it's like putting together a, a logical theorem or a proof. All of a sudden, you figure out stuff that you hadn't figured out before. Very few people do that. Sit down, organize their thoughts on paper, logically deduce. You'd be amazed how much progress in your life you make. Anyway, um, it, it, it's opened up, solved some problems, unlocked some things, 
resolve some mysteries, get that book, Curse of the High IQ, absolutely necessary for everybody listening here because whether you're not, you realize it or not, if you're listening, you do have a high IQ. Some of you potheads out there would normally have a high IQ if you weren't high on pot. So don't smoke for a while, then read this book, and then after that, you could smoke all the pot you want, Colorado. Uh, and then, um, why is it not on here? Hang on here, guys. What am I doing? And then my latest essay. It's not a book. It's an essay. Uh, it's only 150 pages, and that's like a small book with a certain type of font. I went with the 1584 Pragmatica Lima font, so it looks like the old parchment typing because it's a play on Poor Richard's Almanac. I, and, and yes, it's an absolute marketing ploy. It's because people trust Ben Franklin. Um, and his, the image I have on the book is public domain. Just like Marty Andrade's book, uh, Nixon's Guide to the Multiverse. He's got Nixon's. That's where I got the idea. I'm like, you can use it? He's like, yeah. I'm like, I'm using this. He's like, cool. So that's why Ben Franklin is up there. And uh, anyway, poor Richard's retirement. Uh, if you are already practicing minimalism, you've read Batch of Pat Economics, you don't need help in retirement planning, you don't need this book. But, well, a lot of people have been buying it for their folks, I find out, that was that, which is good. It's kind of a polite way to tell your parents or your olders or your elders, hey, you screwed up, but all is not lost. But it is taking all the knowledge and wisdom that I had, more philosophy, <clears throat> and turning it into a succinct, practical, and applicable Retirement plan. And it is revolutionary. Mark my words, it is revolutionary. I just haven't gotten off my ass to market it yet because I've been doing all this. I've been having fun, frankly. I won't lie. I've been playing Skyrim. I'm up to level 31. Yes, I am. I've been playing Skyrim. Needed to veg out. And then I had Memorial Day. And um, I've been doing work, but I, I just, like, I'm, I, need to, I need to veg out. The brain needs to recoup. <clears throat> anyway. Uh, it, this is this is for everybody, all right? Fifteen percent of the baby boomers are the only ones that have enough for retirement. Everybody else, the remaining eighty-five percent of baby boomers and a hundred percent of Gen X and a hundred percent of the millennials and you know Gen Z ain't even in the game yet. They do not have anything for retirement. They just don't. They just don't. The numbers were atrocious and appalling, all right? Until now, all right. If we put humans first in our life. And eliminate the need for material desire. I delve into addiction. I delve into philosophy. I delve into the meaning of life. It's really packed. You girls, this is about, this is a three-pack essay. That's how intense and packed with cigarette smoking moments you girls are going to need after reading this book. That's how, it's short, but man, it's dense. And uh, it, it covers everything from how to train your brain to getting rid of... Basically, it's how to get rid of materialism and the desire for consumption. How to override your, your lizard brain. Because if you can get rid of your desire for consumption, and, oh man, I need that Range Rover SUV. No, maybe you just need a good night of sex with your husband. Maybe you just need to go play catch with your kids instead of getting that promotion at work. Maybe, maybe... You just need to have dinner at home, cooked by the family, and having good conversation. Then the uh, $10,000 luxury package to go to Disney World. Maybe that's what you need. And then if you get that, and you put that, and you understand that and incorporate it, boom! Imagine if we got rid of all consumer spending. Imagine if, 
If women said, you know what, <clears throat> I don't need the Jimmy Choo shoes or the Prada handbag. I don't need, uh, you know, and the guys, guys, don't don't think I'm just picking, oh, oh, no, you men are just as dumb. I got to go to the Twins game and pay $300 to watch him swing a stick at a sphere and hit it over a fence. I need my, my Mercedes and my Beamer, otherwise the equally small penis men over at the office won't think I have a big penis, even though they've never seen me at the gym or the locker room. If, if, if everybody got rid of this bullshit, basically if we cut the bullshit out of our lives and focus on your fellow man, your fellow human being, a lot of financial problems go away, and it makes it nearly possible for it makes it possible for nearly everyone to retire. There's always going to be those idiots that insist on being beg people and never want to work. Period. I got it whittled down per person to one hundred sixty thousand dollars. That's all you need in your IRA or four hundred one k. In today's money, and, and assumes and there's other ways and tricks. But can you get can you get two hundred thousand to be on the safe side? Can you? Oh, by the way, reverse mortgages are not part of the fucking plan, baby boomer generation. This assumes you have your house paid off and you don't have a mortgage, let alone a reverse one because you so poorly planned your finances. So if everybody would like to retire successfully, and probably the better gift of this book is happiness, because I don't know if you notice this or not. I noticed this in banking. People with expensive vehicles are really fucking miserable. They're really fucking miserable. Guys are all chasing materialism and dollars and money. And, and, and meanwhile, life is passing away. With, I was talking to Sylvia. Let me tell you a story. Sylvia is not guilty of any of these things. Not at all. But to reiterate my point... So Silvio Canto, Canto Talk, you guys all know him. He's the guy who wrote the book uh, Cubanos in Wisconsin. Uh, he escaped Cuba when he was 10 years old. He wrote a book about it, and they ended up being in Wisconsin. He's a Packers fan. You feel bad for him for, oh, he escaped communism. But worse, he's a Packers fan. <laughs> well, we're just talking today. And his kids are all grown up. And all uh, uh, oh, good-looking kids, too. All good-looking young boys, all successful, all having... And uh, he's kind of like an empty nester now. And he was just saying like, yeah, I, I don't know what to do. Like, you know, we got our new house. Everything's set to go. Everything's going great. And the kids are gone. And uh, and Silvio was the man who like, you know, he was like uh, Fred McMurray. He was Ward Clay. He would spend time with his kids. They go out. They do things. Nuclear family. Silvio should write a freaking book on how to just be a, a father and a husband. It, 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 He's, he's lived it. He's perfect, you know, he candidate for it. Uh, but that, that you, you ask him now, hey, everything's going great. And it's kind of, meh, like what's next? What, what do you do now? And now he's, boy, he misses his sons as he should, cause he loves his son, but he knows obviously his son should go out and do He's He's, he's not going to say, Oh, come visit your father. <clears throat> he's very happy for him. He wants him to go live the life, but he did it right, man. And the most important thing was his sons. He didn't have no daughters. If he had daughters, I'm sure he has his sons and daughters. But that was the number. It was his family. And that that right there. He had a happier, better life. Not that it's over. But he had a happier, better life than all these schmucks coming in back when I was in banking trying to wheel and deal the lady. Ooh, I want to take the third equity mortgage out of my wife's horse hobby farm. So I could go buy a strip mall that no one's going to rent from because we overbuilt capacity. Come on out on the boat. 
We're all going on Lake Minnetonka. This douche, I remember him in particular. He had a... <clears throat> you didn't think Medallion Man existed. He did. He's bankrupt now, but he did. He was this fly-by-night, rent everything, lease everything, own nothing. Had a tan, always went down to Lake Havasu. Had a boat there that he leased. Had a boat up in Minnetonka. Minnetonka's the big... Look at look to the west of Minneapolis. You see a big blob of blue. That's Lake Minnetonka. And this guy actually had a fucking medallion. Nestled within his gray chest hair. Totally tan. Walk in with the Hawaiian shirt asking for us for more money. Yeah, you know, things aren't going the way they should, you know, but, you know, we got a deal, gonna make it at it. Fucking piece of shit. Yeah, that guy was miserable. It was all fake. All fake. You know what a pain in the ass it is to get to Lake Havasu? I went there for the first time two years ago. Drove there in a car without air conditioning in July. That was a miserable experience. It is way the hell on the middle of nowhere. There is, what, what have you got to do to go, what, how bored is your life? How nothing going on is your life that you are going to go that far out to a lake in the middle of freaking nowhere and that lake ain't even that good. It's just a widening of the Colorado River. I know, I know, there's partying and the number one commodity, young, supple, 20-something girls in bikinis, that, that, and that is the number one commodity. I understand why people go there from an economic reason. I'm asking people, especially the men, to stop thinking with their lower unit and think above, up ahead with their, their, their brain and say, what, what's the draw here? Why don't you go to the beach on the Pacific? Why don't you go to a beach? There's scores, tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands of lakes all across the fruited plain. What is it with that thing that you got to go to Lake Havasu? Oh, that's right. Because you don't actually have a core or a soul or happiness or loved ones in your life. So it's going to status symbols and places and having things. And, and you're such a lacking, worthless piece of shit who doesn't want to work for a living, has no value, offers of nothing of value to society, and therefore are compensated for nothing. But your ego can't abide by that. So instead of having loved ones and people in your life, you're going to go not even buy. Because, again, you're a worthless economic person. Economically worthy. You're going to go rent shit you can barely afford and keep up the facade. You tell me who's going to be able to better prepare for retirement and who is going to be happy. Or who's going to be miserable and who's going to be happy. Who the fuck is texting me now? We're turning this off. They always do this. They always do it when I'm in the middle of something. Anyway, poor Richard's retirement. If you want to be happy and you want to have an adequately uh, financed retirement, get Poor Richard's retirement. There should be the number one seller out there. It's short, it's sweet, and it's and it's what everybody needs. What what they want and what they I understand. I understand Oprah telling you to follow your dreams with the unicorns and puppies and love and everything should be free. Book will sell a billion times more copies than this simple, truthful book that will lead to happiness and a, and a stable retirement. I understand that. But let, let's just give it a shot anyway. Let's see if a truthful book, for once, if a, a book based in reality actually makes it to the New York Times bestseller. A book that would actually help people, unlike The Secret, which is just like, wish it, it'll happen. Oh, don't get me started about that book. Just that right there, I wrote that piece, The Case for Evil. That that book right there is, 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 I didn't even cite that book, but that's another huge data point, bit of empirical evidence that you, you shouldn't, <laughs> if, 
if you're gonna go forward and look for a career to get into and it's either tell the truth or tell lies the secret is like the number one it's the secret and oprah and the democrat party are the three main reasons three three conclusively proving bits of argument to say yeah you know what just tell lies it's so much easier and way more profitable just way more profitable. I'm going to give it one more shot with Poor Richard's Retirement. You can find it on Amazon, paperback and Kindle. It soon will be out in audiobook as well. Other people's books. Frank Servey's books. Uncle Nick, The Bro Next Door, Burning the Midnight, and Where Pretty Lies Perish. Frank Servey spelled C-E-R-V-I. Um, he has finally contacted Jim Fear about um, putting his books into audiobook. And so that's good. Because now I'll actually read them or listen. You want me to review or listen to your book, The Price? For me to read it, it's it's an egregious fee. But for me to listen to it, it's a little bit cheaper. Uh, so now I'll actually listen to them. But it just sounds like great. Basically, it's a, a trilogy. Uncle Nick, Burning the Midnight, and The Bro Next Door. It's the story of Frank Servi. And this other guy, The Bro Next Door, is kind of like a wannabe pickup artist. But just basically a red pill guy giving the finger to the politically correct indoctrinated world. Like, no. Nope. You know, sits at the Thanksgiving table. No, nah, I don't like fat chicks. <gasps> basically just a guy walking through life telling the truth. It's like me, except he's in California and he's got the funny glass. He's the type of guy to wear glasses indoors. Um, I don't, I'm not in California. I don't really rock the boat anymore. Not that I ever did. I never went into a Christmas meal and then like started talking politics. I just kind of... People will always sniff you out and start it. Leftists always start politics. Anyway, if you want to get that book, good good books of fiction, good fictional works. Frank Servi, C-E-R-V-I, paperback Kindle and soon to be audio. Montrose County. You know what? Let me pull that up. Let's go get it because it's a really good description. For Sabrina Murdoch, volunteering for National Guard duty was a point of civic duty. However, her tour in Iraq left her tattered but still standing. Unfortunately, events she could not control when she returned home left her battered and adrift. Leaving her small town Massachusetts roots in the rearview mirror, she eventually takes on the, dep- the duties of deputy sheriff in the splendid isolation of western Colorado. Here in the high country, surrounded by mesas and sagebrush, Sabrina finds home, friendship, and the spark of a new love as she wrestles with the demons of a tragic morning back in Iraq. As a presidential visit to the region draws close, a series of small events conspire to undermine some of Sabrina's hard-won confidence and erode her spirit. At the same time, a NATO sniper team thousands of miles away in Iraq has stumbled upon the makers of a terrorist plot right in Murdoch's backyard. A firefight leaves them stranded with no way of communicating details of their find to their chain of command. For them, it becomes a mile-by-mile struggle to return to the base and send out the warning. See, you look, you got two stories going on. It'll start with her having coffee. You know, she's at the diner. I don't know if this is in the book because, once again, I haven't read it because it's not an audio book yet. Hint, hint, Bill. She starts, she goes in, and there's the, the old Western lady at the diner. Well, howdy, pay Oh, what's her name? Howdy, Sabrina Murdoch. How are you, deputy? Fine. What would be a name, a girl's name like that? Peggy Sue. Peggy Sue. Perfect. Fine, Peggy. Here's your coffee, hun. It's on the house. They always call everybody hun. I've ran into these women on my motorcycle rides at diners. It does exist. And then, uh, then the next chapter, and then there's, there's Mike Buffalo and Brad Hall as they battle their way across the hills of Iraq 
a war that left indelible scars on the mind and in the heart of Sabrina Murdoch is on a collision course with her new life and her new home. See, now it's action and they're fighting. And they switch back and, and maybe the presidential you know, uh, visit is getting ready. The people are getting ready. And then there's Sabrina Murdoch and now she finds some kids drinking. Find some kids drink. You know, I've been to Nuclear, Colorado. Atham, look it up. Nuclear, Colorado is where they used to mine the, the uranium. That's where they got the uranium for Fat Man and Little Boy or some of it. They had a, they had a history site, you know, historical site. Oh, here it is. And those boys, I could see why you would drink if you're a teenager out there because there's nothing to do. And then Sabrina Murdoch was sheriff, Deputy Murdoch. Hey, hey, hey. Jimmy McJim Jim, what are you doing there with that dad's bottle of Jim Beam? Oh, come on, deputy. Can't you let it go? You know I got to tell your folks, Jimmy. Oh, man. <clears throat> All right, Miss Murdoch. We won't do it no more. All right, but I'm writing you up. Dump it out. Okay. And then, oh, then, <clears throat> then there's some funny-looking dudes that don't look as white as the people over in Mesa County. Or Montrose County, sorry. And then they're like, everybody's all politically correct. Oh, they have a released van and it smells like gasoline. No one telling nobody. Oh, I don't want to be sexist or racist. Oh, and then it comes in and then she's got a, I wonder how it goes down, don't you? Well, you're going to have to buy Montrose County by Bill Greenwood, available in paperback and Kindle on Amazon.com. What else is, what we got here? Steve's Jerky, go to Facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky, where you can buy for 150 bucks a gallon of jerky. This is obviously for you preppers out there that would like to have a, uh, a store of meat, a store of protein, <clears throat> in case the apocalypse comes. And you could go there to Facebook.com slash Steve's Jerky. Actually, end of the month, i got to start renewing everybody's advertising, so that would be good. Uh, then Ed Lattimore's not caring what other people think is a superpower. Ed, uh, again, heavyweight boxer author, military officer, and physicist. So, you know, like, we all kind of suck compared to him. And he wrote, oh, an author on top of it. As if you weren't inferior enough to Ed Lattimore. As if Ed had not poured enough salts in the wound of your inferiority to him. By the way, he's an author, and he wrote a book called Not Caring What Other People Think is a Superpower. This is not his only book, though. He wrote another one. Anyway, Go to edlattimore.com, check him out, get his book, Not Caring What Other People Think is a Superpower. Ed's actually just a cool guy to follow. And if you happen to be a younger man, uh, you're looking for kind of a role model, like you ain't got a dad in your life, you ain't got no older brother, uh, there'd be a lot a lot of guys you could do worse with than Ed Lattimore. Um, I mean, I, I missed, I was driving through Pennsylvania, and I just didn't have the time to go up north into, into Pittsburgh. Um, but yeah, I mean, Ed Lattimore would serve as a pretty good role model for pretty much, well, heck, any, any young man, but any other man. He serves as a role model for young men and serves as a guilty reminder as to how much you pissed away your life for an older man. <laughs> yeah, it's a reminder just just how much you suck at life. So if you want to have hope or be sadly depressed about your life, go to edlattimore.com. And chicken on our good buddy, Ed. Run Guts, Pull Cones, and Pushing Rubber Downhill. Two books by our good Australian agent in the field, Adam Piggott. You can go to his site, pushingrubberdownhill.com. He has a podcast. He has a blog. His podcast is very good. Um, it, I don't know how to describe it aside from the esoteric take of on life from an adventurer. He is an adventurer. Gentleman Adventurer is his subtitle uh, at his blog, which is true. Um, pushing rubber downhill goes through the story of him starting off on a bike, 
motorcycle in Perth riding out to Sydney in 1995 because his girlfriend went out there only to have her ignore his phone calls. Where have all the good men gone? And then it's just, and he didn't, and he didn't stop. He had a choice. He says, okay, do I go back to Perth or do I hack it out here in Sydney? And then that sent him forth on a world, literally worldwide trip. British Columbia, Europe, Africa, where he did whitewater rafting, ran a, 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 a nightclub in Switzerland. I mean, and this is all true. This isn't like uh, Uncle Nick. Uh, this is all true. So uh, get the book, paperback, Kindle, and audio. Run Guts, Pull Cones is his latest one. That's in paperback and Kindle. I don't know if it's in audio. And Marty Andrade's books. DB, uh, his book on D.B. Cooper. Just look up Marty Andrade, A-N-D-R-A-D-E. Town named after him in Arizona. You didn't know he was that uh, popular or famous, did you? <clears throat> Just outside Yuma. Suburb of Yuma, Andrade. Uh, and then his other book, which is my favorite of his, is Nixon's Guide to the Multiverse. If you are sick and tired of politics, you're sick and tired of economics, and you just need something that is funny as hell. Probably the funniest book I've read in a long time. I'm trying to remember a book that's funnier. Although I take in most of my humor like video and audio, like Victor Borga and all that. Um, Nixon's Guide to the Multiverse is an absolute must. Uh, do yourself a favor, get that. The Glimmervale Chronicles by Michael Kingswood. It is, hang on, I got the books here. Hang on. Let's see what we got. What are they all titled? Peter Stead's books. Come on, got all these books. Five of them. Underneath the sunscreen, because I go running a lot. I, put, I always put my sunscreen with my books, don't you? Okay, we have three of them. No, no, five of them. I'm going to put them in order. That's one, two, three, four, five. Good. Glad I went to college. Okay, Glimmervale. The next one is called Outdweller. Third one, Tollard's Peak. Fourth one, Rob Blind. Fifth one, The Falconer's Stairs. These are all actually really serious books. And he's one of these types of guys who can just bang them out. He's written 30 books. Jim Fair, did you email him yet? Huh? Did you guys email each other yet, little... You got peanut butter, he's got chocolate, holy shit, let's make some Reese's peanut butter cups. I was at uh, I was at Michael's uh, retirement party, and we're just sitting there with the phone. Some of those are so awesome. I'm like, hey, yeah, you know, did, you, did you contact him? Yeah, I did, but he never got back to me. I'm like, that fucker. I'm like, on my phone, I text uh, Jim, I'm like, hey, did you contact the guy? He's like, yeah, I did, but I never heard back from him. I don't know if I'm like... Okay, I'm putting you both on the same email here. And now they're working together, I presume. <laughs> you go, Jim. I'm happy for you, man. Jim, if you guys don't know Jim, let me explain. Jim is a young man, 22, 21. And him and his buddies put together this voice recording audio service. It just straight up entrepreneurs, young men with hustle, kicking a lot of ass. And he came up to me and said, like, hey, I can read your books. I said, all right, well, let's see. And I gave him like, a sampling to read. He got back to me, ASAP, high quality, good price. You're never going to see that again. Those three things, fast, good, and cheap, you're not going to find it. And so that's why I recommend him to, to every. I'm like, hey, because I have a lot of people who like to advertise their books. I say, do you want fast, good, and cheap? No, we don't want it. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah, oh. I don't know if I can afford it. You know, you just poured yourself a $12 shot of scotch over there. I think you can afford gym. Plus, you make money in return. It's an investment. 
So uh, they they finally, but it was good to see that little bit of <clears throat> entrepreneurship happen. A little bit of GDP was produced that way with me kicking everybody's ass over the internet. All right, what else? Uh, so those books you can find the Glimmervale Chronicles by Michael Kingswood. They are for everybody. I thought it was young adults. He corrected me. He says they're not just young adults; they're for regular adults too. Written for adults. I'm like, okay. They're they're for adults too. The Glimmervale Chronicles. Paperback Kindle. Fantasy fiction with a little bit of a spin of Western in it. Have I read them? No, because they're not an audiobook yet. The Catholic Economic Subsidiarity. This is basically how to fight leftism, feminism, and socialism creeping into the church. There should be no politics in church. Church should be a religious affair. But as you know, a lot of church, it's not, it's not, you can't blame socialism, communism, feminism, single mother, you can't blame them. They're just going where there, there's a, a, a hospital environment. And sadly, a lot of churches, a lot of, a lot of religions, have abandoned the religious aspect, the religious intent of the religion, and are just now just money-making operations. It's just 503Cs. And they say, hey, if we allow this and that, and gay marriage and gay pastors and female pastors, of which I am all for, I, I'm all for you go do what you want. Absolutely. I think gays should be pastors. I think you should have gay marriage. I think women should be pastors. The tragic irony is that if it's in Christianity or Islam or pretty much anywhere else, uh, that goes against the teachings and the doctrines of that religion, which then calls into question the entire foundation. It undermines the entire foundation of the religion. Okay, you were wrong about this. What else are you wrong about? And then what you find out is for the most part, these churches aren't really about the religion. They're just money-making operations, which opens it up to saying, hey, there sure is a lot of single moms and they have children. And boy, we would like it if there were more people in the pews. So we're going to go and champion the single moms and say, Jesus cares and there's a plan. That was my favorite Girls and guys. Guys usually go to prison and then they find Jesus because, oh, hey, it ain't your fault that you killed that, 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 those three little innocent children and their mother just because you needed money for crack. That ain't your fault. The Lord has a plan. So all the evil men get their forgiveness that way in, in prison. I found Jesus. It's not my fault I killed every all those puppies. And then women who, like, had sex with the wrong guy and, oh, he changed on me, Jesus Christ, and or divorced the guy and purposely destroyed a nuclear family because it wasn't happy. Oh, my God, hey, you know what? It ain't your fault. Ah, no, don't worry, kids. No, your kids aren't fucked. It's not your fault. The Lord will provide. Jesus has a plan. So that salesmanship, that snake oil salesmanship, Ah, fuck the kids. Who cares? Don't worry. The Lord will provide. You don't have to worry about everything. You know what? You have no agency at all. Everything is faded the way that's going to happen. So you know what? You having an affair with that guy with his children and ruining two families at once or you murdering that, that busload of nuns, there was all faded to happen. You have no responsibility whatsoever. And my gosh, isn't that an orgasmic selling point to a religion? I don't, it's not my fault, but yay, I'm going to go here, and you tell everybody that women are oppressed, and da, da, da. so that's why this guy wrote this book, Catholic, The Catholic Economic Subsidiarity. It's basically a, a, a treaty 
on getting leftists against leftist socialism invading and infesting the church and the, uh, the economic arguments for having free markets of capitalism and freedom and how that jives with the church. It's for Catholics, written by a Catholic, but it would also have some applications to non-Catholic religion. I would, I would even say, I wonder, I'd be curious, we do have a couple Muslim listeners. I'm wondering, now that you Muslims are, are coming here to the United States and the West, has there been attempted infiltrations into Islam and the mosques with uh, feminism? or I, I, I don't want to say leftist, maybe liberal would be more of a word. But where there, there's non-religious things trying to infect your religion, political things predominantly, has, has that been? Because, well, shoot, we just saw Betsy Hodges down here in Minneapolis. She d- delivered her speech at a mosque. What the hell? Why are, you ha- why are you hosting a politician? I know because Catholic, or not Catholics, uh, the Muslims and the leftists have a, a, a united enemy in capitalism and free market and, and Christianity. But I'm curious, for those of you who are, are honest, legitimate Muslims, have you you coming in Europe, the United States, the West in general, all of a sudden what, your daughter's coming back and saying, I want to major in lesbian poetry. Got to be the same thing. Got to be like, here's this old, the Fred McMurray version. The Arab version of Fred McMurray. He's just sitting there smoking his pipe, reading his paper. In comes his, his daughter, 15 years old, shaved head, tatted up, nose piercing, hooped earrings. Dad, I'm I'm pansexual. Has that happened to you guys yet? Not going to happen to me because I ain't got no kids. I'm out of this game. <laughs> anyway, uh, for those of you who are religious, I think it would be a religious, but it would use Catholicism and economics as a vehicle by which to address a concern about politics infesting religion. Get the Catholic economic subsidiarity available on paperback and Kindle at Amazon.com. Kerry Lutz's viral podcasting. Uh, that's his book available on paperback and Kindle. He may be doing it in audio. He says he's going to do it in his own audio because he said it'd be hypocritical if, you know, he does a podcast and he doesn't do his own, um, audio book. I'm like, yeah, I can kind of see that. I think I'm going to be on his show tomorrow. How am I? Hang on. Here's the... <clears throat> uh, Jocato party. Yeah, Wednesday. Yep, I'm going to be on the show tomorrow. May not be may not drop tomorrow, but I'm going to be interviewed tomorrow. Anyway, go to FinancialSurvivalNetwork.com. Visit our good friend Kerry Lutz. He's uh, everything about precious metals, financial markets, currencies, stuff like that. But he's a very good podcaster. He's a pro. That's how he makes his living. So he wrote a book called po- Viral Podcasting, available in paperback and Kindle. Tap Whiskey. You guys know Rolo Tomasi, the rational male. He's got a little side gig. Okay, it's his main gig. The writing was his side gig. He sells uh, spirits. You can buy his spirits at tapwhiskey.com. Whiskey is spelled without the E, W-H-I-S-K-Y. Tapwhiskey.com. You can find his stuff there. Now listen, man, I like the news. You guys like the news? I don't know how this one uh, escaped my radar. Probably because I don't pay attention to Minneapolis anymore. Not, I have no interest in it. None. None. Uh... Not that you guys know about local stuff. I can't even call it local because I so infrequently go downtown. But uh, Minneapolis, under the new mayor, Betsy Hodges, well, relatively new mayor. She's been mayor for about two, three years now. Um, it's gone to pot. I don't mean this, oh, it's a leftist and I disagree with her. I mean, it has gone to pot. While the economy has at least 
stabilized, somewhat slightly, ever so sporadically improved uh, Minneapolis under Mayor Betsy Hodges. It's just, it's horrible. Look, you can have a, it's only one person. It really is only one person. The mayor is only one person. It is ultimately determined by the people uh, in that town. So like New York under Juliant did rather well. Um, I'm just trying to think of other towns. St. Paul, the, the twin sister city to Minneapolis under a Mike Coleman, I think, is the mayor. That's had a reconnaissance. That's had a renaissance, rather. Uh, and, and now I'm kind of like, wow, there's some nice places to go to St. Paul. But Minneapolis has, uh, under Mayor Betsy Hodges, now they voted her in. They voted her in. They voted in. And, uh, it's just, it's got the, as I've mentioned before, when I work security, only about a third of the downtown clubs are now open that used to be. There's a lot of vacant, this is downtown. Blocky is done and over with. That was another <clears throat> um, government's going to solve the problems of the world uh, uh, gone belly up. There's only a handful of bars you might check out. Uh, but you, maybe you go catch a Twins game. But their main strip is called the Nicollet, uh, Nicollet Avenue. And this is where Neiman Marcus and, not Goldman Sachs, Neiman Marcus, Saks Fifth Avenue uh, and Macy's used to be, and now all of them are gone, and uh, that's in part because of people purchasing online stuff, but also a lot of it has to do, I'm not going downtown to a, to a city that hates white people. That's basically including privileged white girls like Mayor Betsy Hodges. You know, this world, we're going to prove our, our, our open-mindedness by hating our own kind, whatever that mental disease is called. Uh, the the anti-capitalism, anti-Republican, anti-white people, anti-freedom, you owe us a living. It has nothing even to do with crime. Crime is a whole other issue, sure. We're not going to go there because we don't want to get robbed. But it's not that. It's just the the world owes us a living and we're in Minneapolis and screw the white people. It is racial politics uh, on the part of, of Minneapolis mayor and the, and the city council. And, uh, and it's just distance and like, why would I go all the way downtown to have, you know, why am I going to drive at least 30 minutes in good traffic to get and give my money to local people that hate my guts because I happen to be not a socialist, because I happen to be born to white people, because I happen to not like communism. Uh, oh, the, I'm privileged and, and the main drag, the main drag, Nicollet Island has been torn up, I don't know, two years uh, Barnes and Noble just closed. There's not enough foot traffic. This is like the main shopping mall where everything used to be. But the three anchor be- uh, stores are gone. A lot of the smaller businesses are gone. Uh, there's only a handful of bars, and the only reason they exist is because during uh, lunch, during the when the sheep all go to gather and sit in their cubes, you know, when they all go into the plug themselves into the matrix, they got to go eat somewhere. So they have to you have thirty minutes. You have 30 minutes, and then you better get back here. Oh, I saw that you took 32 minutes. Remember when bosses used to do that? Yeah, they're going to expect Social Security and nursing home visits now. Those people. Yeah, I'm going to remember. Yeah, you know, we're going to need you to come in on Saturday. Yeah, those people are now nursing home age. Oh, are they not going to get visited? Anyway, there's no reason. They make it. Oh, but that was the other thing. To come to the city of hate, 
they've they've made it so now you got to pay for parking no matter what. In the olden days, I remember coming up to about 2004, 2005, you could park after there was an agreement, a gentleman's agreement. After 6 to 7 p.m., all the meters would not go into effect anymore. Okay, come on down. We want you to be here. We're not going to harass you with parking. Now, nope. Meters, I think, are at least enforced until midnight. Because you just have to pay more. You pay a local sales tax. You pay this tax. You pay that tax. You pay covers. You pay an extra tax because of all the regulations. Now they they were kicking around a $15 an hour minimum wage. Uh, and that all translates into just, you know what? It's a pain in the ass to go to Minneapolis. And since you hate me, fuck you. I'm not going to go to Minneapolis. There's no reason to go to Minneapolis. You make it impossible to go to Minneapolis. Uh... I got to pay extra money. I got to go and find a parking space and you're going to charge. Uh, you know what? No. I'm going to go to the suburbs. I uh, See, in the suburbs, they have these things called parking lots because the purveyors, the proprietors, would like you to come and spend your money on them. And there's less regulation out there. I know it's evil Republican shit, but we don't, we don't ass rape and over-regulate our our. our businesses we'd like them to operate so the costs are lower we spend more money i i know it's it now i have the same well not the same i have a similar vein of complaint about the cookie cutter swip of white suburbs it's all these bars and restaurants where the the burger the the basic burger is 13 dollars. i'm getting mighty sick of that crap and now I don't drink no more. It's kind of like, I, I don't, but so there's nothing, there's nothing new or unique. There's no culture. There's nothing interesting. Hey, it was champs. It's basically the new evolution of champs. But now it's like, hey, we're a brew pub with American eats. Like, oh, really? Hey, I, you think you're not a douche dude, bro, frat boy, do you? You think you're so cool. Oh, hey, look, we got like these, these used wood planks from an old barn and we put it up on our wall. Yeah, and we got like our own local brew pub and American Eats. Yeah, we got this burger. It's grass-fed. Oh, shit. Never heard that before. So it's it's cookie-cutter all across the board. So it's bland. But you know what? At least I can park there, and I don't have to pay for parking. And at least they don't expressly hate my guts and accuse me of having privilege and racism and institutional racism unconsciously. At least I don't get to tolerate that. I don't get to hear the moral lecturing and lessening and proselytizing from a, from a mayor, like I don't even know who the mayor of Eden Prairie is. I don't know who the mayor of uh, Matamida is. I don't know who the mayor of Woodbury is. You want to know why? Because they kind of stay out of out of politics. They're like, yeah, hey, come here and buy some of our crap. All right? No, they got to go out there. Look up, look up, Mayor Betsy Hodges. You'll find her. She's all over the place because she's got to make a name for herself. And it's all about politics. It's not running a city well. So uh, it's already a bad enough time. You don't want to go there. There's just, and it's not, it's not that it's unsafe. There's just no reason to go. Maybe Monte Carlos. Maybe Prohibition. Maybe on the Northeast side, Psycho Susie's and Danger Betty's. Aside from that, no. There's no reason to go out there. Now, add another reason. Not to forget the tourism. Tourism is one thing. Let's, what did I tell you about investing in big liberal cities. What do I tell you about it? That all it is, all it is is a huge homeowners association where all the members are communists. 
you pay property taxes, so you already technically don't own the property from an economic philosophical standpoint. So, and I understand, okay, we got to have roads, we got to have infrastructure. Heck, another little side story I'll tell you about this. Minneapolis was going to do a special assessment on, what was it, Portland Avenue? Because the road needed repair, so they're going to tax everybody on Portland Avenue. It's like, wait a minute, what were we paying property taxes for in the first place? That's eh, all pissed away on schools and leftist bullshit programs. So you are already got to pay some kind of homeowners association fee in the form of a property tax to keep the infrastructure up. I get that. I got it. I also understand the economic argument that you don't own your tax. I personally would prefer that you own your house forever. There is no property tax. You cannot have a tax uh, lien against your house. It is not allowed to happen. Once you own your house, you own it forever. There's no way a government can take it. If you need to raise taxes, do a sales tax, do something else. All right, but don't do don't do a uh, a property tax. Well, if that wasn't enough, <clears throat> this is March 24th again. Don't know why I didn't hit my radar. Minneapolis City Council passes Section 8 housing ordinance. Landlords in Minneapolis will soon be required to accept tenants using Section 8 housing vouchers. On Friday morning, Minneapolis City Council members approved the ordinance unanimously. Okay, unanimously. Not not a brain among them. All sheep, all leftists, all ideologues. This is the Homeowners Association you 420,000 people live in over in Minneapolis. That is aimed at combating discrimination when it comes to housing. Why, is, why discrimination? Is it only black people and minorities that have Section 8? It's, it's stupid, dumb people that have Section 8 who fucked up in life, regardless of race. They're going to hide it behind the thing of discrimination. But no, no, no. They don't want you to discriminate against stupid, dumb people that fucked up in life. That's And I'm not, I'm not, oh, well, you know, there's this instance. No, 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 no. I don't care how bad it was. Things were bad in my life. I never needed Section 8. I lived in a room where my bed and a, like a side, side table fit in and, and a TV. That was it. And that was 175 bucks a month. I managed to do without. If you're applying for Section 8, that means you are parasitic and you done fucked up. And it doesn't matter what the color of your skin is, no matter how much the Twin Cities or the Minneapolis City Council is going to try and spin it. I don't, it's, it's very simple. And I don't want to rent to you. I don't want my house destroyed, which doesn't happen all the time, but disproportionately are, happens with Section 8 people. You are not dealing with responsible, hardworking people. But they're going to spin it. They're going to put a racial spin on it. You see, that's because then if, you, if you're against having your own private property destroyed, oh, you must be sexist or racist or homophobic or whatever the latest cause du jour is on today's leftist Minneapolis uh, uh, menu of Istanisms. Uh, the ordinance will prohibit landlords from refusing applicants who use Section 8 and other government housing vouchers like GRH. Many landlords in the city spoke out against the ordinance. It's too late for you guys. You should have listened to the Clary podcast like a decade ago. I, I got out of the Twin Cities. When my property taxes went up 400% in seven years, that was the hint. That was the clue that you really didn't own your property. That, that the landlord, that the, uh, not the landlords, that the city council, the city government 
Don't view your rights or your hard work or the labor or your money that you sacrifice your time and hard work to get to buy that piece of property. They do not respect your property rights. They don't believe in private property. It's kind of like the corporate tax rate. The government, oh yeah, yeah, we have free, we have free uh, uh, markets. We have, we have free companies. You can set up a corporation, but we want a 40% take. That's exactly what the, uh, the city council of Minneapolis is. You, you guys have got to get it in your heads in Minneapolis. You don't own your property. You are a chess piece, an agent by which these megalomaniacs, these control freaks, these communists will use to help get votes and your money. They're going to help you get, you do all the work, you go buy the property, you sign it, you pay the taxes, you keep it up, you offer it. Oh, by the way, you're going to offer this free shit to these people so we get voted in and we can keep having a worthless government, easy cake job career, a lifelong political career like Betsy Hodges. Go ahead, look at your city council members, see if any of them worked the real jobs like you guys did. I'm trying to help out the people of Minneapolis, Democrat or the three Republicans that happen to be in there. And now you landlords, many of you who are Democrats, by the way, I know this because I used to live in there. (laughs) You're shocked. You're shocked. You, 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 You do not invest in communist Cuba. You don't invest in communist North Korea. You don't invest in Venezuela. And there's no difference. Just because Minneapolis is in the United States doesn't mean they don't control the city limits. You don't invest in Minneapolis, period. And if you look at the other fields that Betsy Hodges has has ran, other aspects of her her tenure as mayor and other aspects of the city, repair, uh, roads, I don't know, the the infrastructure, that boring stuff that that we typically hire people, they're kind of, oh, and, and how's crime up in North Minneapolis? Is it safe up there, guys? Don't think for a second I'm racist. You go look me up first before you start thinking I'm racist. I'm practical. I'm utilitarian. Has things improved in North Minneapolis? Despite all the promises coming from Betsy Hodges, huh? Or is she just another privileged white girl? I want you to think about that one. All right, continuing on. Many landlords of the city spoke out against the ordinance claiming it will prompt landlords to hike up rent prices to avoid participating in the program. That's what's going to happen. And who's it going to hurt? It's going to hurt the poor. We're very, and that's the working poor. I don't care about criminal poor. I just don't. Nobody does. I care about working poor because I was there. I'm happy I could get a place to rent for one seventy-five a month. That is, and that included utilities. That was, that was, that was in the. God damn, I miss those, miss those days too. It was like you don't realize it, but you're kind of, kind of happy and carefree when you only have rent of one hundred seventy-five bucks a month. Uh, claiming it will prompt landlords to hike up rent prices to avoid participating in the program. Quote, we are very concerned that this could have a destabilizing effect on the market, that the Housing Choice Voucher Program runs according to a certain mechanism, and part of that is rent maximums. That could put an upward pressure on rents to avoid participation in the program, said Cecil Smith of the Minnesota Multi-Housing Association. Well, Cecil has to be politically correct. Here's what I'm going to tell you. I don't want my hard money destroyed by people who've never had to work for anything and have had a government check handed to them their entire lives and will destroy your property. I have a buddy who also rented property or landlord in Minneapolis. And he, he, was, he was looking at buying a place that it was Section 8, and he walked in. And I know this is anecdotal. This doesn't, it's not all Section 8 housing people. I understand that. 
And he walks in, and there's this kid lying on the bed, just back kicking his feet, knocking out the sheetrock uh, on the wall that's up against. And Craig looks, and he can see into the other room. And he's just like looking at the kid. Kid doesn't know. Kid, no one's ever disciplined this kid. There's no fathers around. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? Go, go provide housing to the fatherless children of the world and the 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 fatherless uh, mothers and the, the the no way no way no I'm sorry I want a father and a dad around I want a husband around I want some discipline I want some you're not break you're not kicking the sheetrock in boy right that's that's the truth that's the direct answer you're only going to get it here again you may not like it but that's the only place you're going to get it. And it's not this, oh, we care about poor people. So that's why we're, we'd have to write, raise the rents. I, I understand how that's a politically correct, necessary answer. That, that's the, uh, the PR answer they have to provide. Those in support of the measure cite 58 other jurisdictions across the country that have similar ordinances. Yeah, I wonder what they are. Now we will no longer be permitted to have properties advertised. No Section 8 may apply. Something that long has been a tremendous barrier to really what is a relatively small group of individuals? It doesn't know yet. It says Elizabeth Glidden, city council member of Minneapolis Ward 8. She, again, she doesn't care about it's your property and you get to do with it what you want. That's her property and she's going to use it to advance her political aims to help a relatively small group of individuals. This is not about helping the poor. This is about property rights. That's the, that's the much larger issue here. Do people in Minneapolis have the right to do with their property as they see fit? And and apparently no. Uh, this ordinance goes into effect in May of next year. Minneapolis Public Housing Authority. See, having a federal housing authority is enough. Having a state housing authority isn't enough. We need a Minneapolis housing authority. And then you guys wonder why your property taxes are so high. Today, the Minneapolis City Council voted unanimously in favor of amending the Minneapolis Civil Rights Ordinance to prohibit discrimination against housing choice vouchers, also known as Section 8, as a form of income for tenants seeking housing in the city. The change will take place May 1st, 2018. The Minneapolis Public Housing Authority welcomes this council action that prohibits discrimination against families with housing choice vouchers. While we do not believe this change is a cure-all for the challenges voucher families face in finding affordable housing, it will be a help full step in addressing the issue. No, it won't. It won't solve the problem. Have, have you guys realized how just throwing money at the problem doesn't solve the problem? It will require that voucher families receive the same consideration given to other prospective tenants and eliminate the no Section 8 warning that is unfortunately all too common in rental listings. Because you know what? Getting the government... How, how are these people disadvantaged? They're getting the government to pay for their fucking housing. Just because they can't live in a particular uh, a rental listing doesn't mean that they're like, that, oh my gosh, whole horrors of horror. I'm, I'm trying to think, okay, if you gave me free lodging, but I can only choose certain places versus not having free lodging, but I get to choose all the places I want, I'll take the free lodging. We're hopeful that the change will encourage some family to consider neighborhoods of greater opportunity which they might previously have felt were off limits. What makes you think of magic dirt? See, once again, magic dirt. Hey, you crossed this line, Mexicans. Everything's great. You're over in the United States. Because there's nothing, There's it's not the personal choices or responsibility or decision or the work ethic or working harder and smarter that makes America great. No, it's the fact that you're north of the Gadsden Purchase. Look it up. It's the fact you, you cross this arbitrary line 
and now you may it's it's you know it's like everyone going to Sweden. Hey, we made it to Sweden, and now everything's fine. It's my number one complaint with the Democrats. You guys don't have the balls to tell people the truth, and the truth is exactly pretty much the only thing people need to improve their lives. Tell people to stop having kids they can't afford, and tell people to keep nuclear families together, and tell people to stop majoring in stupid shit. You'll solve most people's problems. Those three little tidbits of advice will do more to cure poverty than all these goodwill, touchy-feely violations of private property rights the Twin Cities wants to do. I don't know. It just goes against the religion, the ideology. What is so wrong with telling people the hard, honest truth? I don't get it. Is everyone that spineless, the word that you're going to hurt people's feelings? Do you know how much more progress you make with women saying, yeah, you know what? I'm going to date other women until you prove that you're uh, <clears throat> you're worth settling with. And oh, by the way, uh, down the road, if we do get married, you're going to stay at home and raise the kids if we have any. And if you're not, if we don't have kids, you're going to be out working. Yeah, well, guess what? It's amazing how much respect you get out of people. Because those are the rules. Them is the laws. Those are the laws of nature. I mean, the fact you can't even tell. We did that Fortune article. The fact you can't even tell women that majoring in women's studies is a stupid idea because it's going to hurt them financially. And telling poor people to stop having kids they can't afford, and that's the number one cause of poverty. And instead, to spare their feelings because, what, it gets you votes? And say, hey, it's whitey? It's discrimination? It's racism? It's this magic line in the dirt? See, the dirt here sucks in North Minneapolis. But you go down to Longfellow, that's really nice dirt. And that, that's going to change all your problems. What lie? And then, and then the real victim is who? The poor. <clears throat> the, the, the people who believe time and time again what the Democrats tell them. That it's this thing or that thing. It has nothing to do with the decisions you've made. No, no. It's always somebody else's fault. And then what ends up happening? What ends up happening is these people, unfortunately, waste their entire lives in poverty. Because you never correctly and accurately diagnose the problem for them to, to solve the problem. Oh, they'll get upset when you try and tell them the truth. Oh, because they're so indoctrinated into the matrix. But there's some. There's some. They'll wake up. They'll say, "Hey, wait a minute. I, I, I do. I, I'm sick and tired of living in Section Eight housing. How do I get out of this racket? How, how, how do I, how do I uh, uh, make sixty thousand dollars a year coming out of college? I want some of that action. And and the Betsy Hodges redoing Nicollet uh, Mall and giving me free Section 8 housing, that's not going to That's not gonna get... How do, tell me how that results in you getting $60,000 a year offering out of, out of college. I'll tell you right now, for any of you listening who hate my guts and don't like the fact that I'm right now in your Section 8 parade here, right? tell me if Betsy Hodges has given you something better than this. Go major in engineering or computer programming or go get certifications in data science offered through Microsoft or Udemy for practically free. It's going to be maybe 1000 bucks. All right? And that's how you can make 60 grand before you're 30. All right? You tell me what's, what's more helpful. I wasn't, that's not even a hurtful lie. That's just like saying, yeah, look, and, and, and oh, by the way, it ain't the man, whitey, Republicans, George Bush, Donald Trump, or nobody holding you back. It's only you. You just got to go and do it. You just got to walk through that. I just opened the door. You got to walk through it.
I don't, I don't see what is so hard or hard. Oh, and by the way, don't fuck up, don't not knock up no chicks or get knocked up yourself along the process. What, 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 what is that? That is, that's horrible. That's mean. That's harsh. It's just what a loving father or maybe an older brother wanted to kick your ass a little bit would say. But see, Minneapolis Public Housing Authority, the ones that presumably care about you the most, you know, they they like, well, you see, we want you to go to neighborhoods with greater opportunity. You know where there's a neighborhood with great opportunity? Uh, It'd be called Fort McMurray in Canada. It'd be called uh, Dubai over in the United Arab Emirates. It'd be called Texas, where there's actually a booming economy. Not Minneapolis. Shoot, go across the, the river to St. Paul. There's more opportunity over there. Not much, but there's some. In the year until the amendment takes effect, MPHA is committed to making changes that we believe will improve the experience of property owners. <laughs> Shut up. And create opportunity, uh, create opportunities for family families utilizing the program. Improve the yeah. These changes will include enhancements to our inspections protocol. Oh, good. That's right. I forgot. They sent in a city inspector now. God, I've been out of the Twin Cities now for ten years, Minneapolis anyway. And I, at least I didn't have an inspection, you know, like it just, if you got reported, they'd send in a city inspector, like an actual inspector, but not one of these rental property inspectors. Changes to the payment process and extension of housing search time, improved communications and feedback opportunities for only, dude, no, none of you liberal arts majors who are running the MPHA are going to do this. None of you. And a deeper collaboration with the city of Minneapolis and other regional public housing authorities. Our initial proposed changes are online, and we look forward to providing ongoing updates as we make these improvements. We are from the government, and we are here to help. Like I said, guys, do not invest in large liberal towns. Just don't. If you happen to be a poor poor person, regardless of your race, get the fuck out of large leftist towns. Go move to where the Republicans are. Preferably Tennessee, Florida, Texas, <clears throat> even though it's a leftist area, I, I know it's it's Democrat, but Denver is growing because they did do something right in legalizing that pot. And now you have kind of like a boom going on there too. So I mean, you're gonna have to pay local income tax or state income taxes. I know that. But for everyone, you want opportunity? Get the fuck out of Minneapolis. Be you a landlord or an impoverished individual? Get the fuck out of Minneapolis. Fuck, get the fuck out of Minnesota. So I'm moving to Vegas. Vegas, another great, another great place, guys. You go to Nevada. You got mining. You got entertainment. You got gambling. You know, no state income taxes. Why the fuck would you stay in Minneapolis? I'm just trying to point out to both the landlords. God, I'm trying to help out so many Democrats today. I'm trying to point out to the landlords, both Democrat and Republican, but the majority of landlords in Minneapolis are Democrats. I'm trying to point out to the poor people who are in Section 8 that Minneapolis and government programs and, oh, hey, you can live on this piece of dirt versus that piece of dirt, that doesn't solve your problems. Because the environment, the economic environment is so anti-business, so hostile that there are no opportunities for your average Joe. Oh, now if you work at Wells Fargo, if you work at U.S. Bank or Target Corporation, but you see, you need your triple doctorate and MBA. You need, actually, you need to have a shit ton of privilege. And it's a different type of privilege. It's like, my parents are so rich and I'm so spoiled that I could afford to get a doctorate and bullshit. By the way, look up Betsy Hodges, the mayor you guys all voted for. Look and see if she ever worked fast food or worked in a coal mine. 
right? Is it a surprise that there's no commoner, regular old Joe get a beer type, you know, BJ's bar? I know it. I owe you. Oh, you think I, I know a guy. I've, I've been, I lived in the Twin Cities for 20 years. You think she's ever had a, a shot of whiskey over at BJ's? You think she even knows where BJ's is, Broadway and uh, 94? See, I know, I know. Not the greatest looking strippers. <laughs> it's gonna. Ah. It's it's St. Paul's Lamplighter. For those of you, who, you, if you never made it over to St. Go to the lamp. If you've been to BJ's, go to the Lamplighter. It, it's kind of. It's a show. <clears throat> it's just a show. But anyway, no, there's no opportunity in it. Look, and it's cold here. It is fucking cold. Don't know if you noticed it. Waiting for the bus. I remember those days. That sucked. Uh, yeah, Florida, Tennessee, hell, Mississippi, Alabama, Louisiana, definitely Texas, Arizona, not exactly booming, but, but certainly growing faster than the Twin Cities, uh, warm, although really hot in summer, just as a, as a warning. What, why, why are you, what is with, I know, I know why, because everyone's indoctrinated K through college to think that socialism and Democrats are great and the Republicans are are evil, racist, sexist, bigoted, homophobic uh, puppy kickers. I understand why you guys are still there. I was there like, because I like biking. That's where I got my first property. It was in Longfellow. It was a nice house, nice neighborhood. I loved biking around the lake, or not the lake, the river. Until all of a sudden I was paying more in taxes than I was paying in my previous place rent. Just taxes. Just taxes. The the city of Minneapolis, by that I mean the city council and the city employees, they are not there to help you people in Minneapolis. They are there to live off of you. That's why there's no booming economy. When's the last time some employer says, we're opening up a shop in Minneapolis? Like a real employer, not two dipshits opening up a bar. Okay, we're going to employ 12 people part-time. Like, you know, really? Where, where, is there any opportunity? Is there? I'm trying to be practical. I'm trying to give you, and you know what? You don't have to like me. You don't have to agree with I'm just giving you a plan B to consider. Just a plan B to consider. Because I think you re- landlords are starting to realize you don't own your property and all that work and effort you put into buying the property is going away now. Slowly being eroded. I think the poor people who are... I got news. You think you think living in a different house is really going to change it? Huh? You, you think any more bike paths are going to change? You think a really nice Nicollet Street is going to change anything? It's not. Because these people don't give a shit about you. They give a shit about themselves. And they give a shit about having a lifelong career like Betsy Hodges where she never had to dirty her nails. She didn't have to get, you guys got callus? I still have calluses, although it's more because I work out. But uh, during summertime when I split wood and work on the, you guys got calluses, right? We have calluses. That's called real work. I bet you if you shake her hand, it's like these limp-wristed guys who go to the U of M with their beards and their salmon-colored jeans. Like You ever shake their hands and it's like moist because they use lotion? Like, what the fuck is wrong with you people? Just these, like, you don't even know if there's bone, if there's just rubber in there with some skin around it, very soft, velvety skin, like, ugh. Rather stick my hand in a pile of dog shit than shake some of these guys' hands because I get a less creepy feeling. Those are who your leaders are, male or female persuasion. 
And they don't care about you. They care about making you feel good so you vote for them. And don't give a shit what happens to you down the road. And this Section 8 housing thing is just its just another example of it. Uh, you are over here. Now we're going to move you over here. Holy cow, look at all. At all, it's all better now. How much you want to bet three years from Let's revisit this three years from now. See if anybody in Section 8 is doing any better than they were before, measuring it as like st- uh, uh, as an average of the median income in the United States or whatever measure you want to use. Oh, well. Okay, what else? Oh, hang on. Ah, let's do the rest of the sponsors. Then we got your buddy Amy Schumer's in the news again. Well, not really. She had a movie that no one knows about. Assholeconsulting.com. If you have questions, the old captain has answers. America's older brother, the world's only professional asshole. Get the truth. Pay the money. Save your life. Go to assholeconsulting.com. I'm not going to tell you, oh, you move to that patch of dirt over there, your life's going to be better. And I say, stop fucking getting people pregnant or get pregnant yourself. Go major in engineering or computer programming. Go join the military. Spend less than you make. Knock it the fuck off. And then you tell me who's gonna, how you're going to come up, whose advice is better. But we charge for it. We charge for it. <laughs> we'll see. Betsy Hodges charges, charges for her advice too. She charges your soul in your entire life. I usually charge between 25 and 35 bucks depending on, on what type of response you want. That's that's about it. Maybe maybe at most it's fifty bucks at asshole consulting. Uh, Betsy Hodges just wants your entire life. She just wants your entire soul and future. That's all. Anyway, straight dope from an older brother you never had. Assholeconsulting.com. Go there. Uh, we are changing lives daily, and I actually mean that. Not like I want to change life. No, we actually change lives. Uh, Praxy.com. Have you, whoa, whoa, where is everything? Hold it, hold it, hold it. Whoa, got to put that. Let's put Praxy, Praxy. Hang on, bear with me, guys. There we go. Uh, if you need emergency asshole consulting services and you can't get a hold of me, I can't wait, contact me on the Praxy app. Download Praxy, P-R-A-X-E-Y, through the iPhone store, through the Google Play store. Install it on your phone. You have to provide a credit card number because basically it's a 1-900 number and you get to call me. That's essentially it. It's like FaceTime. Um, most people just call because they don't need to see my face. Plus it, it cuts back on the bandwidth that's consumed. But I mean, if you do a voice call or video call, we can do that too. Uh, regardless, it's $2 a minute. So have your question ready. A lot of people are like, whoa, dude, I'm surprised you picked up. I'm like, well, you called. What do you, what do you they're, And they're coming up with a texting option is text like hey are you around for a call in like five minutes oh yeah i am uh but right now you just call and i pick up it's like the 80s if you were wondering what's it like to live in the 80s because you guys are all young this is praxy will kind of give you that experience i don't know if he's gonna pick up there's no voicemail so uh but have your question ready to go because i don't want to charge you more than i have to i actually don't i mean i make enough money on it as it is Everybody gets me when I'm running. I've had like the last three callers have called in while I'm running. <laughs> and they, they pick, and I kind of wish they would have the video so they saw I was running and not just panting heavily on the phone like I'm some kind of perv. It's like, no, I'm running. <sighs> no, really, and I am. See the trees. Anyway, so uh, you can do that. Emergency Asshole Consulting. Download the Praxy app. 
If you'd like to advertise on the podcast, you can. It's $100 a month, and I get you to about 3,000 listeners weekly. Sometimes I do two podcasts a month, but I've been falling behind on that. Or, or two podcasts a week. I do a podcast a week. I aim to do two. Often that doesn't happen because I'm busy. I'm getting tired. But uh, that also gets you an ad on the blog and the YouTube channel. We do a, a commercial for Cappy the Whore 4. So if you got some kind of entrepreneurial idea, you want to get ads and sell to the the peeps on the interwebs here that uh, listen and tune into the show, contact me either through my blog or Asshole Consulting. Chad Elkins, go to elkinscpa.com if you need accounting services. If you have the need for an accountant, Chad Elkins, by gum, by golly, look at Big Titted Molly. He is an accountant, a CPA, in fact. So taxes, financial analysis, reach whatever you whatever you, like if you need a reason for an accountant, Elkin CPA, he's your guy. The League of Extraordinary Podcasters. Go to 405media.com. Uh, John Grant runs basically a, a radio station, but it's a podcast station. So if you're sick and tired of tuning into the Clary Podcast, he has a score, a schedule, an actual regular schedule of different podcasters out there at 405media.com. We also have Obsidian Radio, uh, our good friend out in Philadelphia. Uh, I would say young black gentleman. He's not young. He's my age, black gentleman out in Philly, talking about race and politics. <clears throat> uh, we have Financial Survival Network, our good friend Kerry Lutz. Canto Talks, uh, Silvio Canto. You can find him on blogtalkradio.com. He covers more Latino news and Hispanic news. I don't know the difference. He actually didn't know the difference. He did a, a, a show, like a segment, not even a show. And he's like, I didn't know the difference between Latino. I guess I'm Latino. Or is he Hispanic? Doesn't matter. If you happen to be interested in Latino politics with a conservative band, go to Canto Talk on Blog Talk Radio. O'Shea Jackson, he is back. He's got his old YouTube channel back. He got out of YouTube jail. And uh, he's in charge of the website Negro Manosphere. Okay, so if you happen to be a young or old black gentleman and you're sick and tired of the light, just like this, just like we talk here, you want the straight dope. You want shot from the hip? You want to actually improve your life? Tune into O'Shea Jackson. Now, you say, oh, do I have to be black to tune into O'Shea? No, hell no, <laughs> because the dude is the funniest motherfucker out there. Um, I know a lot of us on the Manosphere side of things, you know, it it, it was never racial. Uh, it just happens because of the population of those that have high, high-speed internet disproportionately be, happens to be white. It was from a white perspective, but... Can you think of a group of men in the world that have been more supplanted and more replaced and more disparaged by their women uh, via a government check than black men? Can you think of a group of people that need the red pill more and need their fellow brother, black or white, Hispanic or Asian, doesn't matter. Can you think of a group that is further down the coal mine than black men with this experiment of socialism and replacing men with government checks? All right. So I take a very uh, intellectual interest, a very curious interest as to, because it's a different culture, you know, I, I didn't grow up in black culture. I'm learning parlance and words, some of which cannot be repeated. <laughs> but, uh, so there's an intellectual interest as it pertains to freedom, capitalism, the role of government in humans' lives. Uh, but damn, if O'Shea isn't funnier than all hell. God damn, is his delivery good. So anyway, O'Shea Jackson, you can read his site, negromanosphere.com, but his YouTube channel, it's, it's O'Shea Jackson. He had, a, he had a, a backup site called O'Shea's Vlogcast, so you can listen to some of his older stuff there. 
but he's back on the original channel. Uh, BlowMeUpTom.com, Tom Likas' show. Uh, if you're looking to advertise on a show, I would strongly recommend Tom's show. You're just not going to find a better return on investment. And i be honest, I would advertise there first before you advertise here um, because he obviously has a much larger reach. But BlowMeUpTom.com, go listen to St. Likas, but then also for you entrepreneurs, advertise on BlowMeUpTom.com. Terrence Pop at uh, Redonculus. You can visit him on YouTube. Just look up Terrence Pop, P-O-P-P. And he has his, uh, what, thrice weekly show. Uh, and Cynical Libertarian Society, SinLibSoch.com. He's a bit extreme. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, if I'm the guy that gets you to normal, if I'm just like what gets you to normal, you need some a little bit more, go to Cynical Libertarian Society. And don't be freaked out. I, like my girlfriend was looking like, he has Nazi symbols and communist symbols up there. I'm like, yeah, but he's using the Obama setting sun and then the H for Hillary with the SS. He's he's picking on the socialists. He is not an actual communist or a Nazi. He's, he's calling the leftists that. So he, he's a bit out there. Um, but if, if you need something a little bit a little bit harsher, you need a little bit of a stiffer drink, go sinlibsoch.com. Mitch Berg, 1280 AM, The Patriot. Tune in to Uncle Mitch, the uncle that didn't commit suicide. Uncle Mitch, the new Uncle Mitch, Uncle Mitch version 2.0. Mitch Berg, you just find him. AM 1280, The Patriot. <clears throat> I don't know if they got podcasts. I know you got to tune in. They got to have the show archived somewhere. Academiccomposition.com. Hey! It's uh, final season coming up. you got to write your last papers. And since you're trying to get a job with corporate America, what does corporate America do? They always outsource work they don't want to do because that's what smart MBA-laden expert uh, fucks tell you. That's what you do. You outsource jobs to India, anywhere else. We don't want Americans having no jobs. No. We need a bonus check if we cut costs by 90%, even though it will raise costs by 300% down the road because of various barriers. So you should outsource your homework too, your pointless, worthless homework that uh, people force you to take these worthless, liberalized prerequisite classes. They have nothing to do with your degree. So go to academiccomposition.com where Alex and his crackpot team of writing staff will write your papers for you. He charges market rates for good work. And look, if you're doing this, don't bitch and whine about the price, right? He tells me some horror stories like, holy cow, choose your clients, man. Uh, so, uh, anyway, but more for our, uh, we're a bit more highbrow here, uh, but for our purposes, if you're looking for a job that you can do from home, contact Alex. He's always looking for marketers and writers. Both jobs are very boring. Do not expect it to be rewarding. I know you guys have been lied to about what to expect in the real world and how you're entitled to a job that gives you fulfillment and happiness that only happens on Ally McBeal, which is too of a show for for you guys to even know about now. That doesn't happen in the real world. You work for money. And the benefit of this one is you get to work from home or a beach in Thailand. We don't care. Go to academiccomposition.com. Contact Alex. Let him know the captain sent you. And he'll keep advertising on the shoe here. JimFear138.blogspot.com. JimFear138.blogspot.com. Contact him if you need some audio work done. He doesn't just do books, but he'll do voice acting and other things as well. Uh, If you need a sample of his work, just download one of my books through audible.com for a fee. You'll say, wow, that dude did some really great work. And my God, is Aaron a genius. I should go buy all of his books and tell all of my friends now. 
You can follow the old captain on all the different social media. There's Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all that. If you like and subscribe and comment and link, that does help with the algorithms. And that is just like doing all your online shopping through my Amazon affiliate program. It does help out a lot, even though you may not think so. So just sharing the podcast and stuff like that does go a long way. Uh, But you can also find me on two of the non-traditional social medias that do not have uh, censorship. Gab.ai, which is Twitter's replacement and Minds.com, which is Facebook's replacement. We have two classes, the Analysis Evaluation of Stocks and Stocks, Bonds, Investing, Oh My. Both are offered at hundreds of different places online through various uh, nonprofit, uh, community ed, the library, university, community college type of places. Since it's offered online, just do your shopping around, find it where it's off as cheapest. How do you find it? You search the titles. The Analysis Evaluation of Stocks, which to this day only has a fraction of the enrollment, even though I think it's one of the best classes out there. I've done some amazing work with that. I know, I know. It's 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 what the people want, not what you think is the... I understand. And then there's the much more popular Stocks, Bonds, Investing, Oh My, that is an introductory course to investing and retirement planning and financial planning. Tells you everything about 401ks, IRAs. I understand why that has a wider appeal. I know. It's just like, I made souffle. Everybody wants hot dogs. Like, oh, all right. I'll just hide my souffle and eat it myself. Uh, But you can find them online. So they're online. Take them wherever you can find them cheapest. Uh, So, you know, it it doesn't have to be at your college in your town. It can be wherever you find. Unless you want to take it for, for credit, then you might have to find an accredited college that offers it. Um, but for the most part, um, yeah, it's just adult education for that. Uh, if you are thinking about investing because <clears throat> you've paid off all your student loans, you've paid off all your mortgages, you've paid off all your car loans, you have no debt, and now you are ready to start saving up for money, uh, okay, now maybe it is time to open up an IRA, and there's no better way to open up an IRA than Betterment. Do you make money ever? Ta- yes, I do. So go to CaptainCapitalism.dogspot.com. Click on the Betterment logo. Go there and set up an account if you're ready to open up an IRA, right? It's uh, basically they do index funds, and it's a robo-advisor, which means there's no sleazy salesman plugging in answers to a formula or computer program to tell you what to invest in. You go, oh, surprise, surprise, they got rid of the salesman. They, uh, they got rid of that guy, and now you just plug in those answers yourself, and uh, you save yourself 1% or 2% managerial fees every year. So go to Betterment.com, but first, by going to CaptainCapitalism.blogspot.com and clicking on the Betterment banner. And then finally, we have the best of Cappy's uh, blog, the best of Captain Capitalism. Um, you could go through and read the blog and kind of sift through all the throwaway posts or the links and other things. It's not that they're worthless. It's just that I don't write amazing pieces all the time. I try to do at least one a week. Uh, they have been conveniently categorized and compiled in the three consolidations are the best of books. There's Captain Capitalism Top Shelf. There's Captain Capitalism Reserved. And then there's Captain's Quarterly, which was going to be my quarterly publication uh, until I found out that I couldn't get enough models. <laughs> you just can't rely on really good-looking girls. There was I wanted to have like a different girl for every quarterly. It was going to be a quarterly issue. I'd just back up my blog quarterly, and there'd be a pinup. And there is. There is one. There's one issue. Fall of 2015. With Cindy Moran, if you guys are looking to hire a very talented, very pretty, but above all else, a very professional model, go to cindymoran.net, M-O-R-A-N, and um, she's got hustle. There's a, there's a cute girl who's also in STEM. Woo! Who 
dang diggly. The old captain was younger. I would uh, I would go a courting. Anyway, if you'd like to hire a very professional, for whatever reason, you need a pretty girl to, for whatever reason, aside from obvious ones, uh, contact her, Sydney Miranda.net. But she did model. I think it was like 19 pictures of her, and she's like in the 1950s housewife thing and some sexy lingerie. We did a little bit of risque, a little bit classy. Oh, there's one in there. She's got this nice red evening dress. Whoa! Woo! <laughs> Hello, nurse! Which is another thing you young kids won't get. Um, but yeah, so uh, she's in Captain's Quarterly. Not top shelf, not reserved, but Captain's Quarterly. It's more expensive because it's color, but you can get it in Kindle because it's digital and that's just as cheap. So you can find that. I may, I'd like to. I really would like to back up my work more classily like that. I really enjoy putting it together because I'm like, ah, here's a product, here's a finished thing. And I want to do like interviews with prominent men in the in the alternative media. And uh, women as well, we'd interview and then just kind of like have an interview up front. Kind of playboyish, you know, like that. Uh, but it just, you can't find good-looking girls to show up on time. You just can't. The prettier they are, the more society spoils them, and the less reliable and functional professional they are. It just doesn't happen. Um, <clears throat> We got family, but I'm not going to do it. Um, doo -doo 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 -doo. Is that it? Yeah, snatched. All right. Uh, where'd the article go? I had it here. Hang on. Ah, uh, here's the problem. Let me, let me, let me show you, you know, fake news. Let's just do a little Bing search. I know IT people, I know. Bing, what are you doing with Bing? Alright, it's a horrible movie. Not that you were expecting it. 3.5 out of 10 on International Movie Database. 37% Rotten Tomatoes. 45 Metacritic. And if you go through just a regular search, um, the articles are like, oh, box office break, number one, this and that. I understand you got to sell it. But here you go, Forbes, which it, I know you owe Forbes fortune. Oh, it's for rich people. No, it's just, it's another leftist rag that old people read at the dentist's office because there's nothing to read. Amy Schumer Snatch crushed it on Mother's Day. Written by Scott Mendelson. Full bio. Yes, Scott, I want to see who you are. I've studied the film industry, both academically and informally, and with an emphasis on box office analysis. Oh, my God. Like, that's a career for 28 years. I've extensively written about all the said subjects for the last 10. My outlets for film criticism, box office commentary, and film scoring scholarship have included the Huffington Post, Salon, and Film. <laughs> so this guy's writing for Forbes, and he's just saying, Snatch crushed it on Mother's Day. Uh, and it's a lie. It's just a lie. The thing cost like $34 million to make, and today it's made 40 No, wait, it was 42 it cost, and it brought in 49 It's a flop. It's a flop. But he's going to spin it because he, he has an agenda. They want to lie to you guys. They all want to lie to you. Well, in one of those situations where an optimistic initial weekend estimate was actually not being optimistic enough, Snatch ended up with over $19.5 over its opening weekend. I got a question. Doesn't, like, every Avenger movie do that in the first hour? Didn't Logan fart that on pre-release? What? What? That's a solid figure for the 42 million budgeted 20th century. No, that's not even half. That's not even half. 
I'm not I'm not gonna read it anymore because we know the guy's a lying sack of shit. He's biased. But it's it's he's like part of this Hollywood machinery or this political force that they just gotta keep forcing the feminist Amy Schumer. And don't say she's not don't say there's no politics with her. Don't. They just, no matter how bad this woman fails, no matter how bad feminist Ghostbusters fails, even though she wasn't in it. No matter how much this woman opens her mouth, the Netflix thing that bombed, in this movie that bombed, they're going to keep jamming it down your throat. Which is why people on the right, including Chris Beckloff and myself, we like to analyze Amy Schumer. Because it is she is a chess piece. She's pure propaganda. If you were to poke her with a pin, she would bleed propaganda. That's all she is. And it's like, what? You're going to drag this aging broad out again this fat ch- what, what was the latest it was going to be uh, uh she was going to be the fat barbie who was going to teach us about body positivity until mattel put a kibosh on that says oh maybe we don't want to do that maybe little girls don't like fat sows who hate men maybe maybe little girls just i don't know want to be little girls and imagine prince's world or whatever the hell disney does and okay, let's 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 rechamber this bullet again. And so they fire it. And so now I got to go to Wikipedia. As of May twenty eighth, Snatch grossed 40.2 million in the United States and Canada, and nine point five million in other territories, for a worldwide total of forty nine point seven million. Who the hell in the global market would go see that thing? Against a production budget of forty two million. All right, so when did it come out? It came out the 12th. That is 16. That's two weeks plus ago. Probably made the majority of the money that's going to make. Uh, and so it made what? 49 against 42. That's seven. Seven and change. $7.7 million. Did they even make money on that after paying? I mean, really, I, I don't know. Is that enough to like actually have the profit? Seven million dollars. All that. How's your return on investment? Was that worth the cost of capital for you as shareholders of uh, who put it together? Production. Twentieth um, Century Fox. Is that a high enough rate of return? God Almighty. I guess I asked. The, I'm not only confused why they keep trying to force this down society's throat. But what made you think this was going to be a good movie? What made you think this was? What made you think this is a good idea? I'm so happy the internet is around. Though I am sad that no one's capitalizing on it. <coughs> Tim Allen, <coughs> do your own thing. <coughs> Last man standing. I'm so happy that no one watches TV anymore. I'm so happy fewer people are going to the movies. Because there's no reason to go. There just isn't a reason to go. You you could complain about these youngins, the millennials and the Zers, looking at their cell phones. But, I mean, really, what are they going to, what? It's not like Casablanca showing, followed up by the Maltese Falcon, followed up by the Great Escape, followed up by Kelly's Heroes, followed up by Indiana Jones. Of which, none of which, Marcus Brown has seen. There's not, like, great movies coming out. Yeah, you get Logan, you're happy. Like, eh, it wasn't a total waste. I'm going to go see the Pirates of the Caribbean movie. Yeah, pirate movie. Can't potch it up. I hope. Please, God, I hope. Just just make it a straight-up pirate flick. But no, they gotta, there, there's got to be 
there's an ulterior motive of politics or an obsession of trying to change society. Like, is that what it is? You guys are more obsessed with a political, sociological, nationwide, society-wide brainwashing to somehow get us to like Amy Schumer? What? What? Why? Why? Isn't it costing you guys enough? Don't you see no one's taking it? Don't you see you don't have the medium anymore to do it? Everyone's celebrating MSN like, oh, they, they beat they beat Fox News. No one's watching any of it. Like 2 million viewers out of a country of 320 million people? And you guys are excited about that? The day is coming. Oh, God, please let the day come that... By the time I my work is complete here, by the time the old Claire Meister is on his way to wherever the fuck you go after you die, and no one's been able to prove it to me anyway, and 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 we will take proof. You'll be moved right to the head of the line. We'll do an entire segment about hey, I have proof. What happens after you die? And when you have that, let me know. Call me ASAP. We'll write a book. We'll make billions. But when the old captain dies, all I want is to have more pull because I use the right medium, the internet. And through honesty, blunt, direct truth, and forthrightness, one more of a loyal and larger following than all the fakes and the frauds over on CNN, Fox News, and the television shows. That's all I want. Like, well, hang on. Hey, let's, let's, I mean, it already happens to a little bit. Let's, let's look this guy up again. Hang on. Give me a second. It, it's already happening a little bit. Uh, snatched. Box office. Was it Forbes? I want to look this guy up who wrote it. You know, this guy, he has 28 years experience writing about movies and he's in with the Huffington Post with all the other girls. How big is this guy's Twitter following? I know, I know. It's not the, the only measure. Scott Mendelson. All right, let's look him up. If you look at him, he's he, he thinks he's cool. His picture, anyway. I'm sorry you girls in the left have to deal with that as a selection of leftist men. You know, Gregory Peck was a Democrat. There were some manly Democrats back in the day. Gregory Peck was one of them. You don't get Gregory Peck now. You get Scott Mendelson. All right, let's look up this guy. See what his Twitter following is. Oh, he's the real Scott Mendelson. 13,000. I've got like a third in change of what he's got for followers. And he writes for Forbes and all these. I mean, do you see what I'm talking about? This guy is part of the system. You think with the system, he'd just blow everybody out of the water. Me not even talking about movies and crap. I already got a third of this guy's following. Let's see. Does he have any other stuff going on in his life? Scott Mendelson. Well, there's a wrestler. Oh, powerlifter. All right, so Scott Mendelson, he's uh, more known. There's a powerlifter that actually beats out the other Scott Mendelson. American powerlifter, 1,015 bench press. Oh, okay. Yeah, so he's outshone by another Scott Mendelson, who's actually a real man and somebody I'd call Sir. Look at this guy, 6'1", bench press, 1,015 pounds. Holy crap. I'm excited I can rep at like 135. All right, that's it. 
All right. Anyway, that's it. That's for the Clary Podcast. Uh, man, check your nuts for testicular cancer. Easily present, preventable. Fidget with your nuts in the uh, shower. Also, if you happen to be of the age of 40, go have the doctor shove his finger up your ass to look for the prostate cancer and everything else. Ladies, get your breast checked. Make sure your boobies are all right. You don't want to get that breast cancer. And if you won't let your boyfriend fidget with your boobs, then you probably have to go into a mammogram. Matter of fact, it's probably best you just go have a professional do a mammogram. I don't think your boyfriend or husband... What am I joking? Husbands don't get to feel their wives' boobs anymore. I don't think your boyfriend is professionally trained to identify lumps and cysts. So why don't you go get it professionally done? Early detection is key. And even though you guys think I hate women, I do not. That's why I am telling you girls to go get that stuff checked out. All right, spread the good word, share, like, comment, subscribe, and put it on the old Facebook. I will catch you kids later. Clary out.